This is Lifetime Sentence, the podcast where we watch bad Lifetime original movies and compare them to the truly heinous stories that inspired them. Because sometimes the truth really is stranger than fiction. Say that again. The Grammy Awards are tonight. Oh, fancy. Yeah. I. So, I, so I've been like watching E! Because there's nothing on today, Sunday. But I've been watching E! And so they've been having like the red carpet and stuff. And they had BB Rexa, who was like a negative, a size negative four. And she was talking about how nobody could dress her because she's so big. And I was like, huh? Uh-uh. Yeah. No, I'm done with everybody. <laughs> everybody needs a timeout. She looks like a perfectly normal human being. Yes. She's someone that I look at and say, she's very thin. But these designers are like, oh, you won't fit in our dresses. And I'm like, what the fuck? Right? So God help me when I get famous. I'm going to have to just wear the curtains. <laughs> I have my watch on theater mode, so it won't give me any alerts. <laughs> I have my phone on vibrate. I have the sounds turned off on my computer. And I have no water. No water? Have you not seen... The string of text. Of oh, the- that's right. I thought you meant like no water to that you were drinking out of no. at this moment. And uh-uh. I was like, what? So to all of our loyal listeners, <laughs> I live in the country and we have a well. We don't have regular water like normal human beings. And currently we don't even have well water because our well is broken. How does a well break? Um, by belonging to me because fuck <laughs> you, Paul. <laughs> But Listen, I do have two strong bows. So. Nice. We, I think everyone, I don't know what was in retrograde this week, but I think everyone had a bad week. Oh my God. It just, I mean, I had a bad week. I know you did. And I know a couple other people that I know did. It was horrible. Like Wednesday night, I came home from work. I got a, I got a, um, a beer. I went and got in the bathtub and I stayed there for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and you deserve Cause it. I was and like, fuck everyone. Leave me alone. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to look at anybody. Just get out of my face and leave me alone. Right. <sighs> it's been, it's been a week. I mean, you know this, I cried on Wednesday. Same. I <laughs> had, Everything that could go wrong this week, it seemed like, went wrong. Um, And then yesterday, or Friday, rather, wasn't a bad day, per se. Mm -hmm. But it's like, because I was doing such a cool thing in my classroom. Yeah. Every time I looked up, there was another teacher in trying to watch me to see how they could do something like it. And then I looked up in my principals there watching me. And surprise, it's my observation to see if they want to hire me again next year. Well, I'm going to guess that you passed that with flying colors, so at least they want to hire you. I hope. Maybe not. Right? <laughs> I, can't Im- I can't imagine what would happen there if they let you go. <laughs> I, I'm too much of a pansy to just quit, so they'll right. have to fire me for me to have peace of mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, man. Hold on real quick. Let me. I didn't get a chance to buy printer ink. So I can't print my notes, but I have them all on my iPad, so. Okay. See, I just read them on my laptop. Well, I already have a lot of things going on my computer. I don't want to have anything else processing. 
because as you're aware, there has, this has been the least technically difficult week, but I always have some kind of technical difficulty. It's true. Oh my God. My sister just texted me. She's watching abducted in plain sight for the first time. Oh yes. And I'm like, she's like, what the fuck is this? And I'm like, Oh girl, (laughs) get ready. (laughs) Buckle up. Yeah. That was a crazy one. That was a crazy one. That's on my list of ones, but I couldn't remember if it was true crime or not. Um, well, it's a documentary. Okay, I couldn't remember. It's just so yeah, it's true crime. It's on my list of things I want to watch, but then I was oh, like, yeah, is yeah, this yeah. real crime or not? Because Oh yeah, it's very real and it's look, the parents in this documentary are horrible people. I don't understand. Oh hey, welcome to Lifetime Sentence. I'm Paul. Yeah, I'm Aaron. <laughs> you can like cut that whole beginning part. We no, just like I put it yeah. all in. I love our banter at the beginning. <laughs> I just yeah. I know you don't Abducted listen to- in plain sight. Just if you haven't watched it already, just bolt all of your furniture to the floor before you watch it. Cause if not, you're going to get up and throw all your shit out the window about halfway through. You're like, what the <laughs> fuck are these people doing? Oh my God. Duly noted. They're horrible. Horrible. So it's been a rough day, but I found a bath. <laughs> I, I am clean at least. Look, I had a total like treat myself day. I got up this morning and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to go do some stuff for me. So I went and I went to Lush and I got some stuff from there. I went to Bath and Body Works and I got some new stuff from there. And then I came home and now I'm staring at a mountain of laundry that I did not fold and put away. Just sitting over there taunting me. Yep. I was going to have a do-nothing day where I treated myself since, I mean, as you know, I was out of town yesterday at a rehearsal Mm -hmm. and performance. And for everyone who doesn't know me, on top of teaching full-time, I also play in several symphonies around Mm -hmm. Louisiana, Arkansas, and Texas. And so today was going to be my day off. And then I spent all day in the mud trying to fix my well. LOL, right? (laughs) Sorry. Um, oh, I also ran into my dealer today on the street. I saw that. So I have four boxes of Girl Scout cookies. I'm jealous. Girl Scout Very cookies excited. start later here than in Texas. Well, I'm sorry about that. I'm very excited. They're just sitting over there. The girl told because I, I keep getting mixed reviews about the s'mores and I've never tried them. So I decided to, to give it a shot. But I asked her if they were any good and of course like a good saleswoman she said yes but she said that they're better if you put microwave them in the microwave though? for a few seconds yes. and then they're like all melty like real s'mores that so was my I'm recommendation try that. Mm-hmm. i'm excited all right do you want to do this thing or what i would love to i kept my notes short because i knew you had a lot of things to say i do have a lot of things to say um if you follow us on twitter then you've already heard some of what I have to say. <laughs> right? Let's talk about Twitter for a second. Yeah, let's talk about Twitter. So I'm like minding my own business, like live tweeting this movie like I do. And well, first we got retweeted by Lifetime, which was pretty, pretty sweet. Like right? I had, yeah, it was awesome. Then um, I did a tweet that um, Angel Gotti, who was Victoria Gotti's sister, liked. 
which was pretty cool. Yeah, no joke. And then at the end, I um, tweeted to Victoria Gotti and to uh, Maurice Bernard, who played John Gotti in the movie, that I loved the movie and I thought it was really great. And Maurice Bernard responded to us. I wept. I'm not even joking. (laughs) And then... Because he responded, we just kept getting likes and retweets. Oh, yeah. My mm-hmm. phone died because I kept getting so many <laughs> notifications. Oh, it was pretty surreal. Um, I, You'll hear me talk about Maurice Bernard in a few minutes, but I love him. And so um, it was a cool moment for me. This magic I, moment. I live tweet The Bachelor and sometimes those people respond, but that's so different than this guy is like a real actor. <laughs> <laughs> hey, all those Bachelor bitches are real. They're real, but they're not. They've never won an Emmy, so. Well, I can't argue that. I've done the yeah, best no. I can. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, I just got a headline that maybe you'll appreciate. Tell me everything. It says they burn out working multiple jobs, have roommates, and they don't have any savings. Here's why Denver's teachers are going on strike on Monday. Go you, Denver. I support you 100%. Here's the thing, and I try not to get like super political on here. And especially I try not to talk <laughs> <My> about job. <laughs> Right, right. I'm the hold hands and sing kumbaya, and we know mm-hmm. that. But teachers are so fucking overworked. So you are a teacher, so I believe you. And I, I know how much you work. So like, oh, let me ask you something. How many days this summer did you stay home and do nothing? Six. Okay. So the, where you weren't doing anything for your actual teaching job. Yeah. Six. Okay. See, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Six days. Um, I get more vacation than that. Well, and so lots of people think that teachers have this, like, paid vacation in the summer. We, first of all, only get paid for 10 months of the year. Mm -hmm. So those other two months, we're unemployed. We just stretch our paychecks out. Mm -hmm. But we are expected to, during those two months that we're not paid, go to workshops and work in our classroom and go to meetings. And, um, I mean, as you know, I was part of a team that was, like, redeveloping our school this year. Mm -hmm. And so I spent a lot of time with that. And I, I... and it's not like I'm unique in the well, amount of time I spend at school. All teachers do that. Right. And so I really do support any teacher who feels the need to go on strike. Because right now we're in a world where parents think we're nothing but glorified babysitters. Mm-hmm. And if I was a babysitter, I'd be making four times what I make right now. Oh, 100%. You know how expensive babysitters are? Oh, yeah. my God. Like, I wish I were a babysitter. <laughs> but yeah, I, um, LA, their teachers recently went on strike. I think that one's been resolved. And so now Denver will do their thing. And um, I hope they get uh, what they want. They deserve it. They do. Mm-hmm. Anyways. <laughs> now that we've talked about teaching, let's talk about the yeah. second most stressful job, being the daughter of a mob boss. Yes. Okay. Look, <laughs> being the daughter of a mob boss is very hard work, I assume. Um so this movie was a little bit different. And I told you last night, it it was a little bit different than their, um, than Lifetime's normal movie. I think they've done a couple others like this one. I think, um, oh, Elizabeth Smart, they did her movie like this, where she narrated the movie. So okay. Victoria Gotti narrated this movie. So it was like half documentary, half Lifetime movie. She was also the executive producer. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
so this movie was called Victoria Gotti, My Father's Daughter. Um, Zoe, I'm going to butcher this name, so I'm sorry. Zoe Seawert, Seawert, um, played young Victoria. She's been, she was, she's a little girl. She was in, she's been in an episode of iZombie, but her top build thing on IMDb is this movie called Haters Back Off. And oh, that's, that's, all it, yeah. <laughs> that's the Miranda Sings show on Netflix. Oh, see, I don't know anything. Oh, I know something that you don't. Thank God. Let's mark this moment down. Six weeks. <laughs> Six weeks. <laughs> oh. Plus two previews, so eight weeks. The door just <laughs> opened and pizza appeared. Uh, uh, excuse me. <laughs> Can you have Sarah get in her car and come over here? Right. Oh, <laughs> and bring me some pizza. Crust. The door's locked, but I will go unlock it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, Rhonda Dent, who um, played Butch Gotti, who is the mother. And I have to say, she's been in a bunch of Hallmark Christmas movies. She was in Rocky Mountain Christmas in 2017. Really? Memories of Christmas this year or this past year. And then on the Lifetime channel, she was in Poinsettias for Christmas, which um, our friends over at Lifetime on Court covered this Christmas season. I did not watch that one, but now I think I need yeah. to go and back and you can and hear them try to settle the debate whether it's poinsettia or poinsettia. I say poinsettia. <laughs> I do too. Um, but she is beautiful. Like any scene that she was in, I would like stop and like look at her specifically. It was kind of almost distracting in a way, but she's very, she's just so pretty. Really? Mm-hmm. I need to look her up. What was her name? Uh, Rhonda Dent, D-E-N-T. Wanda or Rhonda? Rhonda. So, and then Chelsea Fry. Oh, she's gorgeous. Yeah, she's beautiful, right? She's like, she reminds me a lot of Brooke Shields. Mm-hmm. It, 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 I, like I said, it was almost distracting because, of course, she was wearing all the, you know, the 60s kind of garb and she's just beautiful. Like, even as they kind of aged her in the movie, she just stayed just gorgeous. Like. Hope I look like that when I'm older. Right. <laughs> like her the, her age progression in the movie, not her now. Because <laughs> we're probably the same age. She'd maybe even be younger than me. <laughs> She's 40. <laughs> okay. So we're almost the same age. <laughs> um, Chelsea Fry played Victoria Gotti. She has also not been in a lot. But she was in a movie. It's listed on IMDb called Lonely and Horny. And same girl. <laughs> if Sarah and I ever get divorced, that's my Tinder profile. <laughs> That is already my Tinder profile, so <laughs> get off it. Um, okay, just kidding. I don't have Tinder. <laughs> um, so, and then last but definitely not least, we have Maurice Bernard, who played John Gotti. And if you don't know who he is. I did not. You didn't. Oh. He is. He plays Sonny Corinthos on General Hospital. Who is also a mob boss. Oh, okay. So he's typecast. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But look, when I was pregnant with my son many, many years ago, <laughs> um, all I did, I was on bed rest for most of my pregnancy. All I did was watch General Hospital and Dr. Phil. That sounds like a good day. I mean, if I'm being yeah. honest. And it was a season in General Hospital where Sonny, who is Maurice Bernard, had gotten his girlfriend pregnant. And then... But there's like a back and forth over who really is the father. And this is what I was watching when I was pregnant. People wonder why I was so freaked out about becoming a mother. (laughs) 
And then Dr. And Phil. Dr. Phil, yeah. That was when the Dr. Phil family was a big thing, when he would, like, treat an entire family that was just oh, yeah. messed up with issues. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, that was my – but I love um, General Hospital. I love Maurice Bernard. I really love his character in General Hospital. He, like – he makes somebody that's supposed to be so unpalatable, palatable. It's right. really worked. And actually I saw on Twitter somewhere last night that this movie was written with him in mind for the role of John Gotti. And I'm not sure if that's true or not, but he fucking nailed this. It was really good. I really hope he gets some recognition for this role. He really, really did well. I loved it. The internet seemed to be a Twitter about how good it was. Like, I think this one might actually be up for awards this year. It was the number three trending show last night. It was the number one until the Hallmark movie started. Whatever. Back up, Hallmark. <laughs> no one cares about Valentine's with snow and roses. I mean, I do. I'm going to watch it tomorrow, whatever it was. <laughs> it was called... Oh, I can't remember what it was called, but the um, Deck the Hallmark did a giveaway based on it. So. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I saw that ep- that posted but i haven't listened to it mm-hmm. yet. they're so funny or I love seen them. it i mean i didn't follow up on it yet yeah okay so after all that we're what 30 minutes in hold on i gotta plug in my computer um we're finally gonna start the movie <laughs> uh, give me one second i thought i'd done that already my bad um okay so we open at a book party and um it's Victoria, the it's the girl that's playing Victoria. Now I'm going to call her them Victoria and real Victoria. So gotcha. that will be clear as mud, everybody. Tell clear me what mud. a book party is and how do I get invited to one? It's like a launch party for a book. Okay, I need to go. Aren't you a writer? Well, you're a writer if someone publishes you. Until then, you're just sad. I think you're a writer if you write things. <laughs> <laughs> Please publish me. Are you listening, interwebs? <laughs> <laughs> okay anyway so victoria gets out of the limo and she is a 90s dream and when i told you a couple of weeks ago that i thought she looked like courtney love this is a scene where i thought she looked like courtney love gotcha okay it, she's got that 90s like long blonde hair with the blunt bangs uh-huh the black dress with like the sparkle sheer sleeves mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yes it worked for me i loved it um and so real Victoria is doing the voiceover here. And so she said, most people ask if the gaudy name helped or hurt my career. You be the judge. So she's like walking down a red carpet and this reporter, this reporter, she's I, like, she's like, now that your father's in jail, will you be the head of the mob? That's, that's not how it works. Lady. It's not a monarchy. <laughs> I mean, that's, it kind of is, but also... No, not like that, though. It's, it's like, patrilineal. It's you, you can't inherit it by being a woman. They don't involve women in their gang. Never mind. I did a whole bunch of research. It didn't matter. <laughs> I, I can't. Oh, and I just want to say, because Victoria Gotti, like, worked on this movie, executively produced this movie... This is a movie about her relationship with her father. It doesn't really get into the crimes that he committed. So my I'll notes, tell you why he's so great. And then you can break my heart and good. tell me why he's so terrible. I didn't tell you what I was doing, but my notes definitely are about him. And yeah. only a little bit about her. That's fine. That's fine. And no, it's, and it's fine because look, I'm not saying that he didn't commit crimes and he wasn't like 
kind of a terrible person. I'm saying that his relationship with his daughter is very different than his criminal past. Well, and that kind of goes back to when we were talking at the uh, Gypsy Rose Blanchard Mm -hmm. about how like shitty lives aren't always shitty. Yeah. And in her case, there wasn't really a whole lot of shitty at home. And I know that. Yeah, and she says that later, and so I actually have that in my notes. So. Okay, well, sorry, mm-hmm. I'll stop. No, it's okay. Interrupting. Um, so then the same reporter is like, "Rumor has it your dad's not well," um, because he's in prison at this point. So right. she Rumor has it. Shut the fuck up. Right. She turns. So uh, Victoria turns to answer her, but it cuts off, and it just goes back to her um, arriving home to go to bed. And so they they do. She does say the line later, but it's not now. Gotcha. Um, so she goes home. She gets in bed with her husband, Carmine, and they go to sleep. The phone rings in the middle of the night, and it's a call from prison. Um, it's her dad, and she's like, um, what's wrong? I can tell something's wrong with you. And he says, um, his test results came back, and he has cancer. Oh, no. So she, like, you can tell that she's upset, but she does not cry when he's on the phone with her. She's like, hey, like, we're going to fight this. I'm going to let you go. I'm, I'm Like, I'm sleeping, right? Right. Um, But then she hangs up and she just starts sobbing, you Poor know, thing. like you would. You right. know, you would. Um, She gets up and is in the bathroom and the phone rings again. And I'm like, oh, geez, how much bad news can this poor woman get in one night? Right. And we're about to find out the answer because when she comes back in the room, her husband is standing in there. And he says, he just says, they're here. So she looks out the window and all you see, it's like breaking uh, dawn. And all you see are a ton of cops like sneaking up around her house. And they're coming to take her husband to jail. Okay. Mm -hmm. So at this point, we cut to, this is the first time we see the queen herself, Victoria Gotti. The real Victoria? The real Victoria Gotti. Snaps Um, for Vicky. Yes. Okay. Her hair needs its own zip code and I am here for it. I loved it. You said that. So I looked up pictures just of that last night. Mm -hmm. She's also wearing like a black turtleneck and just a huge diamond necklace. And I was like, yes, girl, she, she has it going on. I love it. (laughs) So we cut way, way back to her mother giving birth in 1962. So um, she's just in a room with the doctor and the nurse and she's screaming, of course, cause childbirth does not feel good. <laughs> and that's what I've heard. She, yeah. She's like, I want my husband here. And the doctor is just like, just look at the clock. Everything's going to be fine. And she like gets up in his face and she's like, call my husband, which dude, I get call it. Her husband. <laughs> so they call John Gotti and he's in a bar um, because I mean that's where I guess husbands waited in the sixties. I don't know. <laughs> um, and he goes to the hospital to sneak her and the baby out of the hospital because they can't pay the bill. That seems appropriate. Mm-hmm. And real Victoria, in her like voiceover, says this sets my father up as a noble criminal, a Robin Hood type. She says, I often joke that stealing me from the hospital was the most lucrative heist of my dad's career. (laughs) But looking back now, all I can think is, kid, you're royally screwed. I like how realistic she is about things. She she is very realistic. And 
she has some some just really good one-liners and that was one of them (laughs) um we cut to 1969 and the mom is um so mama that's what i call her okay because i can't wrap my head around this beautiful beautiful woman being named butch well, that's really funny because her name was actually Victoria. So Butch must have been the nickname when they named nickname, their daughter yeah. Victoria also. Yeah, okay. That makes more sense because they call her this and I'm like, what? Yeah. She's freaking gorgeous. Would you not? <laughs> no, don't. D- d- just don't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like they could have gone with like Tori or Vic. Vicky G, what up? <laughs> She could have, like, been a DJ in the club. Right. <laughs> um, okay. So, but instead, she's um, in a waiting room with her three of her four children to visit John in prison. Okay. So, it's Victoria's older sister, Angel, Victoria, and John Jr. Okay. Mama Gotti tells the kids that John is helping to build this building. Oh. That he works here. But she says, but you have to behave and follow all the rules if you want to see him here. So she doesn't want to tell her kids that he's in prison. You know, right. um, they hug him and he talks to them about how much he's like, you know, Victoria, your mom says you love to read. And she's like, yes, I do. And then John Jr. tells him how he can play chess now. And Angel is like, do you like my dress? Because, you know, oh. I know it's very it just cute. Tells you um, how old they all are. I know I don't they're like very this. young. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think here she's Victoria is seven. I don't know how much older her older sister is, but she can't be more than ten. Okay, I would think. Um. So John keeps asking Victoria like, "What's wrong?" And she keeps saying, "Nothing, nothing. I'm fine." But um, real Victoria's narration tells about how. She was painfully shy and suffered from pretty bad anxious anxiety. Um, and she also was starting to become suspicious about what exactly was going on with her father at that time. Right. Um, so we see Victoria at school. Oh, no, no. Hold on. Sorry. So they're leaving the penitentiary and um, Victoria in her voiceover is talking about how as an Italian mother, you just you didn't work. But you didn't work outside the home back then. That wasn't right. a thing that you did. Um, so her mother was exhausted. They were, she was driving them round trip to visit John in the penitentiary. She was raising, you know, she had four kids, so she was just working her ass off. Right. And so, trying to make this life work because you didn't get divorced. Right. And you didn't work outside the home. So, um, so, um, young Victoria is now at school. She's giving a presentation about her hero, who is her father, because of course he is. Right. Um, she talks about how he works in construction and he's her favorite person. And this fucking asshole kid <laughs> is like, he's not a construction worker. He's in jail. My dad told me. Well, your dad's a fucktard, but right? we kept that a secret for this long. <laughs> I felt so, and of course, because she was also very, very shy and anxious, and she, you know, just, she was not well-equipped to handle that kind of stuff. No, I'm sure she just wilted. Yeah. So she's then with her mother at the store, and the cashier is like, this lady doesn't have any money. 
ugh, I can't. Um, and when the I store was owner... cashier, mm-hmm. I tried my hardest to ha- let people like save face. Mm-hmm. And so like if their card was declined three times, I'd be like, I think there might be something wrong with our card systems. I'm sorry. I, you know, mm-hmm. like I would do everything I could to let people like re- preserve their pride. Yeah. Um, so the owner comes over and like looks at her and is like, oh, Mrs. Gotti, you're fine. Like, have a nice day. <laughs> Oops. Um, so Victoria gets an award at school and ugh, I meant to write down what it was for. I, I, I think it was like a stewardship award, um, but she gets an award at school. And um, I guess John is out of jail now because he he comes to see her. Okay. At the award ceremony. But he then takes her trophy and is like, okay, I'm going to go. Like, I'll see you later. And Victoria gets very upset. She cries because he just got there and she hasn't seen him. Um, and he says, listen, you don't get that many tears in life. Don't waste them all up now. I don't like that. Cry all I, you want. I, I like it. I didn't like it at the time, but it comes back. Okay. Okay. And then I liked it. I was like, okay, I gotcha. Um, I'm going to trust you on this. He says he'll be home for dinner and he leaves. And Victoria looks at her mom and is like, why does he do that? And her mom is like, look, like, that's what he does. Like, that's how he shows off to his friends. Like, he wants to go brag about you to his friends. That's how he is. That's his way of being proud of you. Okay. So later he does pull up in time for dinner to the house. And at this time, there's a kid, like Frankie, who is the youngest kid, he gets punched in the head with a rock by some other like older kid okay and john Gotti is like right there Ooh, nope yeah um so he walks up and he's like did you just hit my kid and this little like teenager shithead is like yeah what's it to you and i was gonna do like a an accent for this but i'm southern i can't i want to hear your bronx (laughs) accent let me hear your bronx accent right now Maybe later. I have a big glass of wine here. I was so we'll say, I'm going to wait till my portion when you've had that whole glass. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, <clears throat> so John Gotti, and I know this is the 60s, but he beats the shit out of this kid while everyone watches. Like, everyone on the street is just watching. Well, shouldn't have been an asshole. No, like, I don't support beating like, children. Not like I'm gonna tell your mom like you're in trouble kind of be like no he like punches him in the face and like oh kicks God. him. Yeah. Oh it was bad. I was like, Woo, the sixties, am I right? Woo. <laughs> um we see, you know, Victoria then her voiceover says that even though he was home, he wasn't really home. Okay. He was out doing his thing, you know. Right. Um, so we see him at the bar doing business and I wrote here. Like, I know what the mafia does, kind of. Right. But my my knowledge to that is very limited. So I I don't really understand it all. Okay. Well, I'm like, how it's working. Like, I, I understand, like, racketeering and tax evasion and setting up, like, gambling businesses and, like, illegal stuff like that. But I don't know where it graduates to, like, murder. <laughs> I might be able to help you with that. Okay, perfect. Because I... I don't know. <laughs> um, anyways, he comes home all late one night and the kids are at the kitchen table doing homework and Mama Gotti is cooking. Okay. And he's like, oh, dinner's not ready yet. 
and he picked the wrong day to mess with Mama Gotti. Go ahead, Mama Gotti. They get in a fight because he's being an asshole. You go, Butch. And Mama Gotti is like, get the fuck out of this house. I hope she she said fuck. I hope Lifetime let her. Damn. She did. But she turns around and she, you know those big like pitchforks that you use to when you're like making meat? Yeah. She picks that thing up off the table and throws it at him and hits him in the arm. Fuck. Yes, she did. <laughs> yes, she did. And he just like looks at it and he pulls it out of his arm and drops it on the floor and is like, fuck you and leaves. <laughs> um. Yeah, so things were not all, you know, roses and dandelions at home, basically. Um, later, and I don't know if it was the same night or a different night, um, little, like, young Victoria has a very bad stomach ache. So her mom takes her to the hospital. And um, John finds, like, goes to meet them. And the doctor tells them that Victoria just has anxiety. Like, that's her problem. Okay. And John. <laughs> I can't imagine why she would have anxiety. John Gotti is like, she's a kid. What the fuck would she have anxiety for? <laughs> I hate that argument so much. And, and poor Vicky is like laying there on the table. She needs a clonopin and a nap. Like stat. I saw you tweet that last night. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody got it, but it's fine. I got it. I know you did. Um, I'm here for you always. So John takes her home and like tucks her in on the couch and then leaves. Like you do. Like you do. Um, Before he goes, he tells Mama Gotti, he's like, pack up everything in this house. I'm moving us out of this shithole. Well. And I guess that's what Mama Gotti needed to hear to forgive him because the Gottis are moving on up. Moving on up. Mm -hmm. It's 1974 and they have like a really nice house. I, she said the neighborhood, but I'm not well versed in New York City, and it wasn't it wasn't in Manhattan, like it wasn't in like the five boroughs. I, I don't think. So, um, oh, it's something beach. No. Well, in real life, it was Howard Beach. Okay, maybe she did say that. I. I don't know. I was like, let me get my notes. Hold up. So they're in this, like, you know, really nice house, but um, Mama Gotti and John are fighting all the time. There's lots of, like, throwing things, lots of, you know, just drama. As so John John Jr. keeps getting in trouble. But John Sr. is having none of this shit. He's like, pack your bags, you're going to military school. I'm not raising any punks in this house. You tell him. Yeah, so... You know, I guess he went to military school. That sucks. <laughs> military school is always the answer when you don't know how to raise your children. I guess. I don't know. I have a good kid, so. <laughs> um, at this point, John is hiding out, like, in a motel for something. And so Mama and the kids, like, go visit him. Oh, is he building the hotel now? No, he's just, he's <laughs> hiding. He's, like, on an extended business trip. It's fine. Um, Victoria and John six up the road. Uh, Victoria and John end up alone, like in the room together, and they have a really cute father daughter talk about. Um, she basically Victoria asks if they're going to get a divorce. Okay. And he says, "No. When I love somebody, I love them for my whole life." Um, 
and he talks about how strong Victoria is. And he says, you know, if I go away again, it won't be for long. That's not foreshadowing. No, he tells her he's proud of her and says he'll be home soon. But instead, he does go to prison okay. for a year. Um, for what? For I, I think manslaughter. Okay. Because um, he went to he went to quote unquote defend a friend who was actually who was in trouble, but it actually turned out the friend was an informant, so he was arrested. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Victoria and Mama Gotti are out shopping um, for food, and oh, she's like, "Do you want um, lasagna or eggplant parmesan or chicken parmesan?" And I'm just like, "Oh my God, can you come cook for me, please?" Right? <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> um. And, but Victoria sees a headline like on a newspaper at the stand about her father going to jail. Uh oh. Um, and she, you cut to you know real Victoria talking about how this just crushed her. I bet. Like it just really just crushed her when this happened. That it was the the whole realization that her father was a criminal. So in the next scene, we fast forward a lot. Mama Gotti puts down one lasagna and Victoria is still young. Then Mama Gotti picks up a different lasagna and she's a teenager. Another wonderful edit by Lifetime. It was great. Um, John is home from prison, which must be a different stint because this first one, when she was still a little girl, she, he was only supposed to be gone for a year. So Right. Oh, no, I'm sorry. He went to prison a year later. So this must be the same. I don't know. I don't know things. I just watch these movies. I get it. I got you. I'm just really, really pretty. Um, okay. <laughs> you inflected that wrong. Oh, okay. Was I supposed to say sure instead? Sure. <laughs> Look, you picked me. You knew I was an asshole going into this. I know, but you're only an asshole to me. No, I'm not. I'm an asshole to everybody. <laughs> I just talk to you the most because we talk for two and a half hours every week. I know. <laughs> Anyways. um, So Victoria and Angel are talking about going to a party. And Angel's like, you ask her. She, you know, they like you better because you, I guess she's better behaved. That's what I'm going to assume. Okay. <laughs> um, and Mama Gotti is like, no parties. Daddy's taking me out to celebrate. And, um. But John is like, oh, no, go have a great time. Like, I'm home now. I'm the head of this house. Oh, good. Welcome home. And Mama Gotti is pissed. Well, yeah. So Victoria comes home super late and she's drunk. And her mom is like, Victoria, how many beers did you have? And she's like, I only had one. And I used to use that same excuse. So I got you. <laughs> so it was one. It it was a really big one, okay? Back off. You wouldn't get it. One keg. It's fine. There's <laughs> it only one beer at the party. One keg. <laughs> um, so she's really drunk, and her dad's outside, and he's like, what is going on here? Like, is this what's been happening while I was gone? You know, he's just kind of – he's being a dad. And so Victoria, because she's drunk and belligerent, is like – you know, no boys will talk to me, and it's all your fault because they're all afraid of you. I get it. I would be afraid of her. Yeah, and so John Gotti like kind of loses his shit here. He's like, 
listen, boys will talk to you when I say it's okay for them to talk to you. Okay. Which is something that every father says, but I think only John Gotti has the actual like ability to, to back enforce. It up. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. So at this point, Mama Gotti takes control and she takes Victoria inside and throws her into the shower, fully clothed, and is like, "Sober up." <laughs> Good mom. Like. Mm-hmm. Um. So then we see. Victoria taking her driving test and then first she gets in the car and he's like, he's like, Hey, like, you know, he's being kind of mean to her. And then he says, okay, so who is this? It's Victoria. God. And then he's all really nice to her. And he tells her she's a really good driver. And he's like, um, you pass. I've never seen a better driver in my whole entire life, which she's just a terrible driver. Okay. Really bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, she's the worst driver than I am, and that is saying a lot. I'm a really bad driver. <laughs> At least you're self-aware about it. I am. Mm-hmm. She's walking to school. It's part of my charm at this point. I'm just like, I, you know, ding some, I, you know, hit a curve. I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Yikes. It's just me, you know. Um, so she's walking to school, and there's this guy, like, leaning against an orange car. He's smoking a cigarette. And he's like, hey, Victoria Gotti, I've seen you around. Why don't you slow down and talk to me? Uh, Ew. But this is the first guy that's actually had the balls to speak to her. So she's into it. Well, there's that at least. Mm -hmm. Um, He calls her Vicky Body and no. No, just no. Mm -mm. Vicky G. Vicky Body, I can't with that. Um, she asks if he knows who her father is. So at this point, he's like, she's like, do you know who my dad is? And he's like, yeah, I do. You know, I'm not like most guys. And she's sold because he will, he has the balls to talk to her, even though she, he knows who she is. So he takes her out on a date and they are walking down the street and they kiss. And at this point, her dad comes like screaming up in the car. Like, (laughs) (laughs) yes, that's me as a parent. Right. Which I'm really impressed because this is the 70s. It's not like he lojacked her car or something. Right. He tells her all the time. He's like, I just know things. And it's true. He does. Um,. So he like gets out of the car and he tells this kid, he's like, you stay away from my daughter. You don't call her. You don't go by her school. If you see her walking down one side of the street, you cross to the other side. Yes, sir. Um, like I'm scared and I didn't even go on a date with her. Right. So real Victoria at this time, she's talking about how you know, she and her dad got in a pretty bad fight that night. And she thinking that it will ingratiate him to Carmine which is the guy's name. Right. She tells her dad that Carmine reminds her of him. Oh no. But this has the literal opposite effect of the effect that she wanted. I can imagine it did. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, I didn't, you know, move us to this nice neighborhood so you can take up with some street rat basically. Um, in the movie, so Vic, Victoria, movie Victoria is like, you can't keep us apart. And John's like screaming up the stairs, watch me. 
know? Oh, God. Um, and, I, for some know, reason, I pictured the fight in Lilo and Stitch. Have you seen Lilo and Stitch? Not in many years. Oh, it's my favorite. Just Nani yelling up the stairs, go to your room! And then uh, Lilo yells down, I'm already in my room! <laughs> so, I'm not inclined when... Because every dad does this. Or, I'm sorry. Every dad who has a teenage daughter does this. <laughs> and I'm not inclined to believe those dads. Right. My own included when they say stuff like this. But this is John Gotti. So I kind of believe him. Right. So in an effort to show Victoria how he thinks that she should be treated, John takes her out like on the town. He's like, hey, she comes home and she's like, he's like, hey, be ready at eight. Like, get really dressed up. We're going out. Which is really cute, actually. Yeah. Um, He takes her out in a limousine. They go to a club and, and she's like walking up to the door and she's like, daddy, I can't get in here. I'm not 18. And he says, when you're with me, you're whatever age I say you are. Uh-oh. So they go into this club and Victoria is like starstruck. She's like, that's Andy Warhol. Like, there's actual famous people at this place. Nice. Um, and John is just completely unfazed. He does not care at all. Oh, He's like, whatever. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, because he, I, I would assume that he's at this point kind of used to it. Right. But I don't know. I think I would pretend to put on a show for my daughter. Yeah. Um, so they're sitting down um, at this table and he asks her, like, what she sees herself as in the future. And she says that she wants to be a writer and has a family. And he's like, I want you to see the world. I want you to travel. I want you to be happy. I want you to find a gentleman. And then she goes, aha, he goes, a Harvard man. Okay. I mean, I don't prefer Harvard, but okay. Basically, it's like anybody but Carmine. A respectable guy, right. It's the anybody but Carmine show. Anybody but this guy. Right. (laughs) Um. So she takes all of this advice to heart and she dumps Carmine and she marries, you know, a Harvard man and everything's good. Right. Exactly. That's what happens. No, I'm just kidding. She just, she already told us that Carmine was the guy. So she found another Carmine. Yeah. She finds another, like, yeah, an exact replica, except this one goes to Harvard. Good. Great. (laughs) By the way, my favorite drawing pencil Mm -hmm. is Carmine Red. Amazing. I love it. It's all meant to be, um... So, but what really happens is she just continues to date this guy behind her dad's back, which she's got balls. Cause I'm not sure I would be that ballsy if my dad was like the mob. Do you think, <laughs> do you think that her 16 year old brain really grasped what? No. I don't, no. I don't either. Like, I think I would have been stupid enough to do the same thing if my dad were a, Mob and boss. I probably yeah, but I'm looking at this from the outside in and having all of the information from the future, you right. know. Um, like her dad had the ability to put out actual hits on people's lives. That's why I had to play devil's advocate for, advocate for just a second. No, and I completely agree, but you know, she, of course, I don't think she knew that. I don't think, and of course, when you're 16, your dad's your dad, and you don't you don't think about stuff like that. I never right. thought about what my did especially since they had a really good relationship so she would not suspect him of being an actual like horrible Mm -hmm. person who could kill someone yeah exactly 
So she's, you know, you see a lot of her um, sneaking out um, around Christmas. She goes, she sneaks out to see him. They're like making out in a truck and he gives her a ring, not an engagement ring, just a ring, just a gift. Um, a pull up, like a cop pulls up behind them and she's like, what's the deal? Like we weren't, we're not doing anything wrong. So he pulls them out of the truck and he arrests Carmine because there's a gun in the truck. Um, Okay. Why yes. do you bring a gun on a date? Well, Leave the gun, take the cannoli. We're going to get there. Okay. So Victoria's like pissed at him. She's like, I can't believe you you brought this gun on our date. And then, but she forgets that really quickly when Carmine is beaten up like really badly and shot. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. So at first she thinks it was her dad that like orchestrated this and, you know, to like remind him to stay away from her. But it wasn't her dad. It was some other guys that had something in for him. And he tells her, he's like, that's why I had the gun on our date. Because I was afraid they were going to come after me. Then maybe don't go on a date with somebody. Yeah. So this incident does not scare her at all. She doesn't see any of the sparkly red flags. None of them. Girl. She just, like, wants to be with him. So she talks to her dad about it. She's like, dad, I really want to be with him. Because I I think he knows that she's seeing him behind his back. You know, I'm sure. Um, he tells her again, like, no, you can't go out with that guy. And, um, she storms off again. Um, and so (laughs) here I wrote, I'm going to tell my dad next time that even, um, men that run an entire family of organized crime members can't control their own daughter's mouths. (laughs) So it's not just him. (laughs) Beautiful. Mob bosses, they're just like us, am I right? Um, so this, we had some, you know, I had to put that joke in there because this next part is horrible. Okay. It's horrible. Um, it was shot, like, very weirdly, but it works really well, like, when you see the whole thing play out. Okay. Um, Real Victoria's voiceover says she was in college, and she says, I was in college when, and then it cuts back to the movie. And so everything in the shot is very disjointed. You can't really hear what's happening. You just see little, like, see and hear little snippets. Um, It's like they're all kind of underwater. Gotcha. Okay. Um, You see Victoria in a car telling her brother not to be late for dinner because you can kind of hear, but it's just very garbled. Okay. Um, It's all in slow-mo, and she looks back at him riding his bike down the street. Oh, I know what this is. No. Shh. Hi. (laughs) well you already (laughs) said it was horrible it is um it cuts to her later like it you know the slow-mo is over the phone rings in her house she's at home she answers and it's the hospital because her they just tell her like tell tell her to come to the hospital because her brother's been in an accident um she tells her mom like frankie was hit by a car and her mom like she's putting on her shoes but her mom just like takes the fuck off she's like bam out the door i would Mm -hmm. too um so victoria's sitting on the couch when john and butch Gotti come in later (coughs) excuse me john is kind of holding butch up like supporting her weight okay um and victoria sits up on the couch and she says you know where's frankie but nobody says anything um 
Sean just kind of looks at her and looks at her, like gives her a look and she knows. Mm. And so she gets up and she's like, I told him to ride home with so-and-so. I told him to be here in time for dinner. And she's like screaming. She's like, where is he? And they all are crying. Um, and the mother, like at this point falls on the floor, just sobbing. It's fucking terrible. Um, you cut to real Victoria telling us how the doctor the doctors at the hospital were so, were too afraid to tell Butch Gotti that Frankie had died. So they made John Gotti do it. Oh my gosh. And that says a you, lot about her reputation. Yeah. And you can see like when Victoria Gotti, like real Victoria is talking about this, that this still haunts her. Yeah. The whole thing. I mean, she just looked haunted. It was so sad. So it turns out the man that ran over and killed her brother was their next door neighbor. Uh-huh. And while I think Victoria probably was not well aware of what her father was doing, I'm pretty sure the neighbors did. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that if I was their neighbor, I would take extra care not to kill any of those kids. Uh, yeah. But that's just me. And also, <laughs> if I did, that I would move as quickly as humanly possible. I would go home and be like, we're leaving. Drop everything. Don't take anything with you. We're leaving. <laughs> I can't. Even if it was an accident, which I don't know. I, I think it was an accident. I think the guy was drunk. Yeah. Which makes it less of an accident, but I guess still an accident. I don't know. So we're at the funeral and Carmine shows up. Like the color red? Because please don't tell me the the boyfriend was stupid enough to show up. The boyfriend is there. And John Gotti looks not happy. I would not too. And neither does Victoria. She's like, what the hell? Why? Why? (laughs) So Carmine, you know, just walks up. He walks right up to him and he's like, um, Sup, I feel he's like, I'm so sorry for your loss. I feel really terrible for your family. I just came to pay my respects. And John caught John Gotti shakes his hand. Well, so, there's that. I mean, what's he going to do really, though? I mean, do you really want me to tell you what he could do? Because I've got a list. Well, sure. OK, but. <laughs> I just want to take special care to recognize how fucking hot Maurice Bernard looked in this scene. He had the black suit, the aviator lenses going on. Oh, mm-hmm. it worked for me. It Duly noted. Me. Mm-hmm. And yes, I feel bad for thinking that because he was at a funeral, but still it needs to be recognized. <laughs> um, We cut back to, Real Victoria is like over um, narration, and she says that after Frankie's death, her mother attempted suicide three different times. Oh my god! So at this point, Victoria kind of took over raising the family and like keeping the house up. Okay. Um, she's talking to Carmine on the phone, and he's telling her that she has to be strong for it, which is a the- like a running theme in here, and like. Poor Victoria is like 16 and everybody keeps telling her her whole life, you have to be strong. I'm like, you know, sometimes you just need to cry in the shower for a while and that's okay. See, and that's why you don't have a limited amount of tears. 
it comes back. We're getting there. Um, but then, so she's talking to him and suddenly she looks out the window and she's like, are you freaking kidding me? Because the neighbor that killed her brother is having a fucking party in his front yard. You done fucked up. Look, I listen, you know, you can say that the Gotti family, you know, that he was a criminal and that, you know, gives somebody some kind of license here to do whatever they want. I don't care. There, this is so disrespectful. It made me sick to my stomach. It was awful. Yeah. Yeah. Like if your next door neighbor weren't a mob boss and you killed their kid, maybe still don't have a party party. Yeah. Like maybe just don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so Carmine is on the other end of the phone. He's like, are you kidding me? They didn't pack up and move, which, right? We already said that, <laughs> Carmine. Get with it. Yeah. We talked about that five minutes ago. Anyways. Um, so Victoria is like standing at the window, kind of just mouth agape looking outside. And you see this figure run across the window. And it's Mama Gotti. And Mama Gotti's got a baseball, baseball bat. bat. <laughs> And hell hath no fury like Mama Gotti with a baseball bat. Good God. Can you imagine? (laughs) She goes out there and just starts beating the shit out of this guy's car. Which, good for her. Like, I'm not condoning I'm on board. But also, it's a party. It seemed there would be a pinata. Mm -hmm. I hope she got the candy. (laughs) So, um... She's like screaming about, you know, you ran over my my son with this car and you still deign to park it outside where I have to look at it every day. And I'm on board. I've got her back. I see no problems with this. I don't necessarily have her back, but I'm turning my gaze. I it's just... the car. She's not beating the shit out of him. Well, she should have. And that's why I'm just turning my gaze. <laughs> Anyways. I have to I have to be on board here because if this had happened to my child, I would have done the same thing. But then so this neighbor is like, get off my property, you crazy bitch. And I'm like, oh hell no. <laughs> you are so dumb. Um, so John comes home later and he is yelling at Victoria that she should have called him right away. And so Victoria, for the first time ever, you see her like she sees a situation where to her life has been unfair. And so she wants her father to make it right. Right. And she's like, I know that you have these ties. So why haven't you done something about this? And um, at this point, you know, John is he's like, look, it, I mean, it was an accident. You know, it's going to be okay. You, he tells her, stay strong. I can't with this. What the fuck? So real Victoria says here that it was the first time in her life that she ever understood how somebody could want to physically harm another person. Okay. I get it. Mm-hmm. So John takes Butch to visit her family in Florida. And when they get back, the police knock on the door to ask Mama Gotti some questions because this fuck-ass neighbor has suddenly gone missing. Uh, he, he, he moved. Whoops. 
Um, I, I bet it's that he moved. Yeah. So Mama Gotti is like all wrapped up on the couch and she takes this like a champ because she's like, look, I don't know anything about this, but he killed my son. So if something happened to him, I wouldn't be sorry. Now get the hell out of my house. Good for her. Mm-hmm. And I just, I keep picturing this, like a group of policemen outside, like drawing straws about who had to go inside and talk to these people. <laughs> right. <laughs> they convince the youngest guy on the force that it's a different John Gotti. <laughs> it's his cousin. It's fine. <laughs> Um, Victoria, um, says in her narration that whatever happened to this neighbor is still a mystery. Um, but she honestly doesn't care if he died and I really can't fault her for that. I probably wouldn't either. Um, she says that after her brother died, everything changed. Her mom kind of checked it out. And so her dad took over handling the parental responsibilities. So we see Victoria like out with her father for her 18th birthday. So does that mean that Victoria wound up handling their parental responsibilities? Basically, yes. Okay. But like John Gotti's responsible for like buying the gifts and stuff and the cake and taking her to dinner, you know. Gotcha. Those things. Mm -hmm. So he asks her, you know, what do you want for your 18th birthday? And what does she want? A new car. Well... If you add mine to the end of car, she wants Carmine. I, girl, move on. John Gotti says, uh, no. So then you see her and Carmine, like, hiding in a car, and they're they're having a huge fight about how they have to hide their relationship. Um, Wait, is he pissed? Yeah. You can go. Yeah. So what he does instead, he says that he's going to go talk to john Gotti himself this should end well for everyone <laughs> yeah uh-huh um maybe don't do that either so we cut to victoria um she's pacing in the living room um mom is on the couch she's doing her cross stitch she's got a valium prescription everything's fine for her she's good she got her and <laughs> yeah. yeah she did which i feel you um so she is freaking out. Victoria is freaking out. And Mama is just very chill about the whole thing. She, you know, she's like, don't worry. It's going to be fine. Um, but Victoria has got this yellow scrunchie and she's just like pulling on it. And the scrunchies, they follow me everywhere I go. <laughs> the scrunchie of shame. God. And it was yellow. Girl. Um. So Carmine does. He goes into John's like. Um, office slash club. I'm not really sure. <laughs> um, and there's a bunch of guys like outside playing cards. And this, the one guy is like, "Would you look at the balls on this kid? He's he's inside waiting for you." <laughs> oh no! <laughs> run, Carmine, run! Yeah. So Carmine goes in and sits down, and John, like very, you know like very casually slips his hand into like the breast pocket of his jacket and yeah. Carmine jumps like 15 feet in the air. He's like, ah. <laughs> no, Carmine, go get out of yeah. here. But, well, um, but John is just, he's just getting his handkerchief. He's like, Hey, calm down, man. It's fine. Um, everyone just reaches surreptitiously for a handkerchief. 
I mean, I have to say that this guy at least does have some balls because if I was going to marry a woman or a man who every time I thought, like, saw, you know, their dad reaching into his pocket, I thought that I might be dying at that very moment. I'm not sure I could do that. Right. <laughs> no, I'm with you. Um, so Victoria is still pacing and she's freaking out. And Mama's like, would you take a Valium and take a nap, please? My God. Um, <laughs> but then the phone rings. And John Gotti has given Carmine permission to marry his daughter. I don't like this. Yeah. So Mostly because cut- you already told me Carmine got arrested in the very beginning. Yeah. So we cut to a very extra engagement party where all the guys are wearing members-only jackets. It looks like the set of The Sopranos. It's great. Yes. <laughs> They're members of something. Real Victoria um, voiceovers that the only reason her father had said yes, that she learned later the only reason he said yes was because he was afraid that if he had said no, that she would have just run off and eloped with him. And that was his worst fear. That makes sense. So John tells Carmine, like at the dinner table, that he's got rules. He says that Victoria has to go to college and she has to finish law school and then she can do whatever she wants to do that. But that's those are the rules. She has to do that. I'm down with these rules. And so if they they follow these rules, there won't be a problem. I don't think they follow these rules. Right after Victoria gets very, very sick. For real. Okay. Um, they go to a lot of doctors who apparently thought it was female hysteria. What does that even mean? It means fucking patriarchy. That's what that means. Now, I, I rolled my eyes so hard they almost fell out of my head. I, I can't. I legitimately want to know what that means, though. Um, it means that they thought she was just being a crazy woman. Uh, Too many emotions going on in there. That's not a thing. Mm-hmm. But they eventually go to a doctor to have actual tests run. Tests run, and it turns out that she has like severe dysplasia, like which is a uterine like thing. Okay. And that she may actually need a hysterectomy. Like it's that bad. Oh no. Okay. So John, who has no control in this situation. <laughs> It's like, I will call the best specialists and the best doctors and the best treatments. I will fly them all here. Like, this is ridiculous, you know. <laughs> I I support this. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and at this point, um, all the rules go out the window because she really wants to have kids. And if she wants to have kids, she needs to do it now because she's going to have to have a hysterectomy at some point. Okay. And we cut to her wedding. And that dress was a choice oh man but they show real footage from her wedding and it is basically the same dress but it's got the butt ruffle it's oh victoria gaudy wedding it has puffy sleeves and a big butt puff oh my good god what is that (laughs) my favorite thing is like the little hat that the veil comes out of someone paid money for that yeah i'm gonna guess a lot of money Oh my good god. <laughs> Hold on. This is not real. 
It is. You I have was, to put that on the blog, by the way. I'm still processing. This? That's real. <laughs> oh, my God. There is so much tool and taffeta in that thing. I thought I was going to drown just watching it on TV. Well, and additionally, if there's an open flame anywhere, girl, you going to die. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, it was a choice. It was the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> um, John tells her that she looks beautiful, but then he's like, but you're also making a huge mistake. And she's like, could you not? It's my wedding day, you know? <laughs> right. I'm a little busy, pops. She, so her mom comes downstairs and uh, she tells her mom it's going to be the wedding in, of the century and that even Charles and Diana will be jealous. And usually I would say that that's not true, but there were so many fucking people at this wedding. I can't. <laughs> really? Oh, they show actual footage from the wedding. There's, She said that people were selling their plus ones. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, I would have died for the chance. It is unreal there's a metric ton of people there there are ice sculptures and huge chandeliers and basically it's her father's it's it you know it's john Gotti's world and everybody's just living in it you know right um and she says she's like you know my wedding was attended by so many people but most of them were not there to see me they were there to see my dad absolutely Mm -hmm. That's why I wanted so, to go. Mm-hmm. So they honeymoon in Vegas. Because where else? And real Victoria says that on her honeymoon, she was actually really nervous because it was the first time she'd ever spent the night away from home. Ever. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. So she's alone in her hotel room eating chocolate covered strawberries. And Carmine comes in. And up until now, you know, he seems like a pretty decent guy. He has a questionable job. Like, I'm sure he's in actually in the mafia, but they don't talk about that. Okay. But he tells her, he comes in and she's like, what's wrong? And then she says, how much did you lose? Oh, no. And he said, and she goes, not all of it. And he goes, no, not all of it. I still have, we still have all the envelopes that you kept. I bet she didn't keep any. <laughs> you are correct because she the next line is I gave everything to you. He lost $30,000. Oh my what? Uh, uh, I can't even imagine. And that's 1980s money. Mhm. That's like 45,000 now. That's so much money. Holy shit so she's pissed i wish i had thirty thousand dollars to gamble because i wouldn't gamble with it me neither i would buy a new well that's why we don't have it because (laughs) we wouldn't gamble with it um oh so he like they get in a fight and so he kind of comes for her you know like physically but she locks herself in the bathroom um, and he's banging on the door and he's like, you have to remember, you're not daddy's little girl anymore. You're my wife. Oh, and no. I'm like, dude, you just lost $30,000. You have no skin in this game. Mm-mm. Nope. And he knew who her daddy was from the beginning. I don't know why he thinks yes. that's going to change mm-hmm. now. So they go home from their honeymoon and she just moves back home with, with her parents. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. So she tells her mother, like, privately, because she doesn't want to tell her dad, obviously. She tells her mother, like, I think I've made a huge mistake. Um, and her mother is like, every woman who's ever gotten married ever, ever has thought this. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, but also yeah, I, I think- I've never got I've never been married, so I don't know. <clears throat> so Carmine brings flowers to the house, and I mean, Mama Gotti's a good gatekeeper because he's like outside and he's like, "I'm just real sorry, it was a misunderstanding," and she's like, "Yeah, I bet you're sorry, aren't you? Get off my lawn, like <laughs> go, Mama. Does she yeah. have her bat? Yeah, I know she doesn't." <laughs> She's on the she's on the volume now. She doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> so later, Victoria gets up. She's feeling really sick and she throws up. Oh no! So her parents they, they think it's a dysplasia, so they take her to the hospital. But she's pregnant. She's pregnant. Mm-hmm. So now she has to move back in with Carmine. So you always have to make sure that the guy you married isn't a complete nutbag before you get pregnant. Always, always. Sometimes your dad actually knows best. Not always. Occasionally. Occasionally, yes. Um, She says at that point, like, she had planned on telling her dad that she wanted to split up from Carmen, but that went right out the window when she got pregnant. It was just, it was never going to be a thing. Mm -hmm. So she um, is at home. Um, with Carmine and she's watching the news. And so we see a lot of like actual news clips from that time. Okay. Um, and it's about different people in the top crime families. There's five crime families in New York. I used to know all of them. My, my brain is a little bit fried right now. Gambino, um, there's the Gambino, the Genovese. Genovese. Um, I have them all in my notes. Yeah. We'll talk about it. <laughs> um, so she, like, Carmine gets in bed and she tells him then, she's like, I don't want our family to have anything to do with that family. Like, talking about the mob. Right. And he's like, yeah, sure. I don't believe you. No. Um, she gets up to go to the restroom, but when she comes back, you can see she's got blood, like, on the back of her pajamas. And oh, no. um yeah, so they oh, go no. to the ho- they go to the hospital. Like she calls her mom. She's like, "Mom, there's something wrong. Like I'm bleeding." And her mom's like, "Hang up. I'm calling 911 right now." And I think it's interesting that in this moment she calls her parents before she speaks to her husband. Yeah, I think that says a lot about who who he really is. had her back. Yeah, and who he is. Yeah. Um. She um wakes up in a hospital bed, and her her dad is there. Not even her husband. Her father is there. Um, she's had a miscarriage. No. And there are zero funny ways to talk about this. I've had a miscarriage. I've had more than one actually. And it's horrible. Um, and, and the fact that her husband wasn't even there just pisses me off. Yeah. No joke. So she gets up and she's crying and she's like, you, you have to do something. You have to do something. And he's, he just holds her and he's like, I can't fix this. Now is the time to use up all of your tears. Okay. Only because now. <laughs> but still. It's terrible. And actually, I this is something that I didn't know about her. 
that this had happened to her. Yeah, I mean, um, she was pretty far along in her pregnancy. I thankfully was not. Um, it they knew it was a little girl for her, and so they actually had a funeral and everything for this little girl. It and it's just. It, it's heartbreaking. I can't imagine. This woman has been through so much in her life. It's terrible. You know, that's so powerful for people to have a funeral. Mm-hmm. I was, I read about recently about that and had the impact mm-hmm. and the power of that. I kind of looking back, wish I had, but that's at this point, neither here nor there. Right. So next she does what every girl going through a rough time in her life does. She dies her, her hair. hair blonde. Yep. Mm-hmm. She goes blonde and she's pregnant. She gets pregnant again pretty quickly. Um, Mama Gotti hates her hair, but John is like, I love it. You tell Carmine if he has a problem to come see me about it. <laughs> Fair enough. That's so funny. Um, at that time, he gets a call and he says he has business to take care of. We fast forward a few months. She's farther along in her pregnancy and she's at home. Like she's on bed rest. Um, Obviously, she's, it's a high-risk pregnancy for her. Um, and we see, like, a real news story that she's watching where Paul Castellano was murdered. And he was the previous um, head of the Gambino crime family. Okay. And so in this news story, they're saying that it was Castellano and it was one of his associates. Um, and they had not received the name yet, but they thought it was John Gotti. Oh, shit. She gets up and she gets dressed and she hauls her pregnant ass to her mom's house. <laughs> like you do. Yeah. Um, so they're waiting by the phone. Um, her brother, John Jr., is kind of running the phone calls um, while she and her mom sit on the couch. And um, eventually, like, John calls and Victoria actually answers the phone. And he's like, hey, you're supposed to be in bed. Tell your mother I'll be home in a few hours. <laughs> like, oh, my God. <laughs> Um, and then he tells her like to go home and go back to bed before something bad happens. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, and, and so this is where John Gotti becomes the, the boss or the head of the Gambino crime family. And this is real. Victoria says like at this time, like, yes, bad things were happening, but it wasn't all bad. Like they were kind of living it up. And she, she had during this time, she has, three babies she has carmine jr and then she has john baby john and then she has baby frankie okay she names after her brother brother. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so her father you know everybody kind of well anybody that knows anything about this knows that they called him the dapper don because he dressed like very ostentatiously yeah Yeah. he was a very well-dressed man that's for sure um She's, so she's writing a newspaper article, and her dad is facing a lot of different court cases at this time. And actually, the newspaper that she worked for named him the Teflon Don because the charges never stuck. And that was an actual nickname. It was, yes. That's a thing. Was, this is her narration. She's talking about it, yeah. No, I know. Um, so we see... Um, Victoria home with her youngest son and um, her dad is on charge, like is being on trial again. And uh, it's for the murder for arranging the murder of Paul Castellano. Okay. Um, She says that back then he would never allow them to come into the courthouse while he was on trial. 
but she had a press pass, so she couldn't. She wanted to attend the verdict, so she did. Right. But he was found guilty in this case. Right. So we see her, like, I think she probably went thinking, like, it's going to be a normal day. Right. And he's going to be coming home. But so we see her, she's kind of being chased out of the courthouse by reporters. Um, and she, it's the kind of the same editing that we got when Frankie died. It sounds like everybody's underwater and she just, she looks like a hot mess, which I would too. So, right. um, you can't really hear what people are asking her. And, um, it just, I usually don't like stuff like that, but it really worked in this movie. I thought it was good. Um, so finally she turns around and she says, my father was the last of the Mohicans. They don't make men like him anymore. Well, that's accurate. Mm-hmm. So we hear um, Real Victoria talks about how at that time um, they wanted her dad to sign something saying that he was the boss of these five crime families and, um, you know, just taking kind of the blame for everything. Just like the head of the commission. Right. And so she said at the time, like, if it will get you out of prison, like, why wouldn't you do that? Right. And so he tells her at this time, he's like, because I'm me, because I'm John Gotti, I'm going to be John Gotti until I die. Which I think A is talking about, he's trying to talk about how he's loyal to the people that he's been working with his whole life. And also he's saying that even if he got out, that he would probably just go back and be doing the same thing. Right. So, um, so she writes a novel called The Senator's Daughter. I've never read it, but I kind of want to now. I've heard really good things, actually. So she's at home. She's cooking dinner for Carmine, and he's not hungry And he t- because he tells her he is going to be arrested. And he swears up and down that it was not him. It was not his fault. It's everyone else's fault, which is something that every guy who is guilty says. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I but, tell a story. I'm not <laughs> but also the guys who aren't guilty also say other people did it so then where do we draw the line i don't know <laughs> but he did it oh absolutely he did it <laughs> um so she's talking to her mother and she's like going on and on about how carmine's not in the life they're just trying to pin it on him because her father is and her mom is like, okay, time for the tough talk. He's in the life. Good mom. Mm-hmm. So Victoria goes home, and this must have really been a revelation for her because they get in a screaming fight. And she's like, get out of my house. I don't want you around these kids. Like, So he leaves. But later, she's taking a bath, and he fucking walks in the room, and he's like, can I rub your shoulders? But he sounds just a tiny bit unhinged. No, don't. Don't say yes. Which is probably because he's holding a fucking shotgun in his hand. Um, okay, maybe say yes, but that's because you have no <laughs> options. <laughs> so she freaks out like you do. I can't imagine why. And he's like in her face like, 
I'll never let you leave me. And she's like, everything's cool. Everything's fine. Like, I was just upset. It's totally my fault. Please put that away. (laughs) It was my women's hysteria. Yeah. (laughs) So he goes so far, he, like, cocks the gun and points it at her. Yeah, and I don't so like she that. screams for good reason, but then he just lowers it and he's like, I was just kidding. Oh, okay. So whenever I kid with people, I like hide their lunchbox <laughs> or like tell them it's Tuesday when it's really only Wednesday. I mean, when it's really only Monday. I don't know that I've ever walked in with a shotgun and been like, let me touch you, JK. <laughs> That's not how it works. This was horrifying i was scared it was scary and i know she's alive obviously because she's in this movie but it was really scary it was like oh my god even then like that is terrifying like you you and i have both heard enough survivor stories to know that he could have very well shot her then and she's still very well could have um so she goes to visit her father in prison And her dad is immediately like, what's wrong with you? And she doesn't tell him right away, but she finally acquiesces. And she's like, you are right about Carmine. And he says, he said, you know, I I had hoped I I was wrong, but, you know, I'm not. (laughs) Um, And so she tells him, you know, most people want to take all of the credit and none of the blame. And you want none of the credit and all of the blame when things go badly. (laughs) Yeah. And so we're back to the beginning. The DEA comes to her house. Um, She's walking into her kid's room and her kids are like looking out the window. They're watching these policemen like come up to their home. Um, She tells them everything's going to be okay, that they're scared, that that's okay, but everything's going to be fine. Um, They arrest Carmine, which I mean, good riddance to that guy. Jesus. out. (laughs) Um. And the next one, like, you know, she she gets her boys up and she's like, okay, we, we got it. Like, you know, we got to move on. Life keeps keeps going. So, she um, does what she's had to do her whole yeah. life. She's so she says in her voiceover that she never thought that this would happen to her. Like, that she would be a single mother, like, raising her kids all by herself. Oh, my gosh. <clears throat> she visits her dad again after the, his cancer diagnosis. <clears throat> And he asks her, excuse me, hold on. <coughs> um, he asks her about whether he's ever told her a certain story. And she's like, yes, dad, you've told me that story, which my dad does that all the time. It drives me nuts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I do that he shit said, all the time, and I'm not even old. He says that you know, he read her book and he really liked it. He said, but I predicted the ending. And she's like, well, I could never get anything past you, you know? Oh, And he tells her to be proud of herself because he's very proud of her. And then he says, um, he says, do me a favor, write a love story next time. I want to know that you're swept up in love and romance, not crime and murder. Oh, which I thought was very sweet. Yeah. Um, I don't like that. You make him sound like a good guy. I know. (laughs) I know. I told you, I warned you, but yes. She tells him that she misses him um, and how she admires him for his strength. And he says that strength comes within. 
um, a lion is still a lion, even in, in a cage, which is what she says at the book launch party. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, he says before he died, or she says before he died, he told her, one day, if you write about me, don't ever make me out to be an altar boy because I wasn't. Um, he dies. And we see actual footage of his funeral, which I remember this, but this shit was like the Macy's parade. There were people just lining the streets to see him. There was a procession of 300 people. Yeah. And not even just like bystanders on the street watching. Right. Mm -hmm. So like if the procession's that big, I can only imagine the crowd that they attract. It's, it was crazy. Like to see that again, I remember when it happened, but it's been a while. So, um, Real Victoria says that she um, <clears throat> she still cries all the time that watching her father die through glass was just horrible for her. Um, she says she misses his protective nature the most, um, that she would always go to him with her problems and her troubles. And uh, when he died, like that person that she could talk to about stuff like that did too. Um, the ending Chiron says uh, John Gotti died of cancer in prison at the age of 61. Victoria Gotti divorced her husband Carmine in 2004. And she he got served, their mansion. He served seven years in prison for racketeering and arson. Yep. Bye bye. Um, Victoria has written a medical journal for women because she she has a congenital heart defect. Right. Um, she's written three novels, a memoir, and a cookbook. She also had a long-running column in a prominent New York City newspaper. They don't name the newspaper, which is odd to me because I feel like you could probably find that. Oh, yeah, I've got that information. Um, And then it finally says her reality show, Growing Up Gaudy, was a smash hit on the A&E network and was the precursor of some of today's most watched reality shows. It was so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I saw it. I I actually want to go back and rewatch some of it because I don't – I haven't seen it in a long long time. But it was really good. But, yeah, that's the end. Well. There you go. That only took, you know... An hour and a half. Two hours. <laughs> um, so she worked So for... now break my heart. Tell me everything terrible that John Gotti did. Because this didn't go in my notes so that I can remember later. She, yeah. She worked for the New York Post. Okay. Okay. That's like a... That's a good... Yeah. It's not yeah. the Times by any means, but it's no, a good but one. but it's... It's probably... It's right up there, though. Right. People read it. They don't, you know. Right. <laughs> All right. So... Let me open my notes. All right. So, John Joseph Gotti Jr. was born Mm -hmm. on October 27th, 1940 in the Bronx. So he is, I was thinking like he is around, he and my dad are close in age. My dad was born in 1944. Yeah. Um, so his parents were born in America, but his ancestry traces back to San Giuseppe Vesuviano in Naples, Italy. And I've Did practiced- you have Fran pronounce it that for Not you? that one, but I've practiced all of these. <laughs> so part of, I did text her a couple of names. I'm not mm-hmm. going to lie. I was like, hey, we're doing the mob. So I need your help. <laughs> well, she knew, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, in college, I had to take- um, diction classes and how to mm-hmm. sing in foreign languages yeah. and Italian. I was always the best at because I used to be fluent in Spanish and Italian and mm-hmm. Spanish are pronounced very similarly. They're very, yeah, they're very close. Um, so he was, when I went to Italy, if I didn't know the right Italian word, I would just say the Spanish word. 
Yeah. <laughs> if I knew it, which I normally didn't. Or because I, um, you know, I live in Texas, so we speak a lot of Spanish, although it's it's a different kind of Spanish than Spain Spanish. Right. Um, and then I took French in high school and college. So I know, I know just enough to be just terrible at it. <laughs> so Sarah is fluent in French. Good for her. I wanted to become fluent in French. I love French, the French language. I think it's so beautiful. Um, so anyway, he was the fifth of 13 children. Yikes. And I oh. guess he was the first son, because his name, like, he was a junior. Unless mm-hmm. his dad just really didn't like the other kids. Like, can you imagine? Uh, well, like, this you, is my son, it, Luca. He's the oldest. And then Gianni. That's the second oldest. And my fifth son is Johnny Jr. Like, um, I've seen that happen, but it just depends on who, like, sometimes you're naming after paternal grandparents. Right. And so that would come first as well. Right. Just funny. Um, yeah, he was also. Because I do know, I know a couple people who are like in the middle of their like child order, but they are the junior. Yeah. Right. Um, he was also one of five brothers to become uh, made men in the Gambino crime family. Mm-hmm. And so I. So explain to me what a made man is. I did a lot of research because I didn't know. So because she talks about this, but I didn't want to really get into it because it just wasn't it wasn't a big part of the movie. So that's why I didn't get into it. Right. She talks about him earning his bones, and then she talks about him becoming a made man. So being a made man means that you are a fully initiated member of one of the crime mm-hmm. families. Okay. Um, or of a, a member of the mafia. Um. Mm-hmm. And he was not the first made man in his family. However, Gene was initiated before him while he was while he was in jail. Um, okay. And then Peter Gotti was initiated in 1988, while John mm-hmm. was the leader of the Gambinos. Yeah, he's um, not the he wasn't the first, but he was the, the most I prominent, guess, best. <laughs> um, and then he was the best at being the criminal. <laughs> And Richard V. Gotti was identified as a leader of a crew by 2002. Mm-hmm. And then finally, Vincent Gotti was initiated in 2002. But um, originally, to be a made man meant that you had to be of like a fully Italian descent. Mm-hmm. Um, but at some point, the rule slackened so you could be half Italian. But if the Italian came from your father's side of the family only. So if you're half Italian on your mom's side, you were not eligible. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm thinking like, when I, when you first started talking, I was thinking like first generation, but that doesn't make sense because eventually those people would die. So, right. okay. <laughs> but like, um, so as long but like as if your, your grandmother was English and your grand, as long as your grandfather was Italian, you were fine. Right. Well, as long as, even if your mom was English and your dad was Italian, as long as your dad was Italian, you were fine. Okay, there we go. It just had to come from the paternal the side. Fu- uh, fucking patriarchy. I can't. Okay. <laughs> um, however, sorry, that's whining crime thing. I'm going to try not to say it, but it's so prominent in this. <laughs> oh, in this, sure. With the female hysteria. Ugh. Right. Um, however, when Salvatore Vitali, uh, who that's handsome Sal, he was mm-hmm. an underboss for one of the crime families, but he got he turned into a government informant. I would oh, too I if know. they caught me. I know you know that, but I'm sure some people don't. Yeah. AKA me. Um, so in two th- he said that in 2000, there was a commission meeting where they returned to their roots and reinstated mm-hmm. the full Italian rule. Okay. So like, I guess today you would have to be full Italian. 
So I'm just thinking of this in terms of like Harry Potter. Yes. So I'm like on the fifth book, but in the third book, there's a whole thing about mudblood. Yes. And so that's what that reminds me of. Absolutely. uh, Slytherins. God damn it. Uh (laughs) So basically the Slytherins are the mafia. Yes, exactly. Right. Okay. Yep. Um, (laughs) And so the rule really mostly applied to the five families in New York City. And those five families are the Bonanno, Colombo, Mm -hmm. Gambino, Genovese, and Lucchese. Right. Okay. Um, But even then, they would overlook the full Italian rule in special cases. But Like, i.e., you are like a really good criminal. Yeah. Okay. If you could be lucrative to them, then they could brush that under the rug. Right. Like oh. like any criminal organization, I feel, or any other kind of organization. Right. Um, so John Grudy, John Grudy. <laughs> That's his I new name. Groot. <laughs> John Gotti grew up very I poor. Am Groot. <laughs> now you have right. this picture of John Gotti saying, "I am Groot." <laughs> All right. So John Gotti grew up very poor. His father worked like on occasion, but mostly he just gambled a lot. And how do you gamble with no money? So was he like going to work and getting the money and then going to gamble? Yes. Okay. Sure. That's one way to do it. Yeah. Not the way I would pick, but. I don't really gamble. So I don't have money after paying bills to gamble. Well, that and also I have a terrible poker face. I'm horrible. Like I, you can see exactly what I'm feeling on my face at all times. Yes, I could get the biggest sunglasses in the world, and they would not help me at all. No. Um. So, uh, where did it go? Oh, as an adult, Gotti really resented his father for not providing, like, for their family. And, That's fair. Yeah. So because of a lot of factors, but poverty being part of it, um, Mm -hmm. he dropped out of school when he was 16. And leading up to that, he had truancy issues. Um, So it was kind of... could have been a member of the bling ring. That's what I almost said. So it was kind (laughs) of predictable. And I read a big teacher tangent that I'm just going to shorten and not go in the whole tangent. But Uh um, so it is unfortunate that he grew up in the 50s. Because teachers at that time did not watch the way that, say, I would for the factors that would lead to a kid dropping out of school. Because we see in his future that he was very smart and driven and organized. Uh, You think? And so with the... A little bit, maybe? So with the right tutelage, like, he could have been the Harvard man he wanted for his daughter. I mean, clearly not for his daughter, but he could have been a Harvard man. Well, he could have been the Harvard man. Yeah, I I get what you mean. Right. And so... because you know you see especially in that place like with a lot of those like crime the at least the higher ups in those crime families those guys knew what they were they knew a lot about business they knew a lot about just how to how to do things but they a lot of them came from you know bad backgrounds and so they had they did what they had to do at the time right unfortunately Right. And so it's just a shame. I wonder if he'd had mm-hmm. teachers from the 21st century, what he could have become. Yeah. Well, and there was a lot of, you know, back then you just didn't poke around in somebody else's. Oh, business. exactly. Um, so he was involved with street gangs as young as the age of 12. Oh. And when he was 14. That's he, really sad. Yeah. 
When he was 14, he tried to steal a cement mixer from a construction site. I don't know what you do with a cement mixer, what you've stolen it, besides make shoes, but... Well, okay, so you steal the cement mixer, and then you sell it to somebody. It's the 40s, like, nobody's keeping track of it, so... I guess. You sell it to somebody else, and then they use it. Even you then, you can dismantle it for scrap metal. Price, and then they use it, huh? So even then, you could dismantle it for scrap metal or anything. Um, so it, it, it fell on him while they were trying to steal it, and it crushed his foot, and it left him with a Ouch. permanent limp for the rest of his life. Huh. I don't think I knew that. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so after he's dropped out of school at 16, he started working more seriously with the Fulton Rockway Boys Gang, which was associated with the Mafia. That's a mouthful, so, guys. You got to shorten that. Oh, they have <laughs> some long names. And you'll find that there are like subcommittees of subcommittees of subcommittees of people who work for the Mafia. It's like Greek life in a university, but yeah. way more sinister. Yes. <laughs> um. So he met his future wife, Victoria DiGiorgio, at a bar in 1958. Mm-hmm. They married in March, and they had five children together. Angela, mm-hmm. who goes by Angel, mm-hmm. Victoria, Frank, Peter, and John Angelo Gotti, who was known as Junior. But right. John Gotti was a junior? So and, he would be a third. <laughs> right, but he everyone called him Junior, and I don't know if it's because he dis, like the dad disowned his own father. Like maybe he just declared himself senior. But well, I would think that if the grandfather had been around, then he would that it'd be go right. By, or even the grandfather would go by senior, and then John would go by John, and then the kid would go by junior. Yeah, I don't know, um, but it reminded me of. And this is really interesting. If you get a chance, you should look up the Vanity Fair ran a story called Ordeal by Check. Uh-huh. And the whole, uh, and it's Check spelled C-H-E-Q-U-E. And I'll put a link to this in our notes too. Um, but it was a whole story that wasn't told without like words. It was just pictures of checks. But you see how like this son gets involved in some pretty bad stuff. And the story of this... I'm sorry. Ordeal by check. Thank you. Uh, But you see this whole family's life played out just in the checks they write. And I think that's so cool. Interesting. It's like, um, what is that book? I can't remember what it was called, but basically it just um, talked about the old suitcases they find like in old hospitals and stuff that used to belong to the patient. I remember that. I don't remember what it's called. I don't either, but it was really, it was really good. Yeah. Um, anyway, Anyway, back to. Um, so for a while, uh, John Gotti, senior, junior, as opposed to junior, <laughs> junior, he tried to stay clean for his family. He worked for a coat factory and then as a truck driver, but by eight years into his marriage, he'd already been jailed twice. Well, and I think that in this time and because he dropped out of school, the criminal life was always going to be more lucrative to live like straight life and be paid minimum wage like completely straight up legally is always going to be way harder and at some point you have to be like look i got four kids like what do you want me to do (laughs) now this was yeah if it had been 15 years earlier even then he could have made a very comfortable living i mean they wouldn't have been wealthy by any means it's like the people now who are um, 
boomers who think that millennials are ruining everything because we don't buy houses and we don't, you know, all that. Yeah, because a house doesn't cost $40,000 and I can't pay for it, you know, making my $10 an hour job working 40 hours a week. It's the world's not like that anymore. Right. <laughs> so it was a it was a time of big transition like right after the war too. Right. So um as early as his teens, Gotti was running errands for the Anastasia family. Um, which later changed their name to the Gambino family. Like, I guess they got married and dropped their maiden name. I don't know. <laughs> I think a lot of those, I think there were way more than five back then. And as they combined forces, they would just, the one name would supersede another. That would make sense. Yeah. Um, so while they were, while he was running things for the Anastasia family, um, he and his brother Gene would hijack trucks from the Idlewild Airport, which is now the JFK Airport. I mean, sure. And um, it was while he was hijacking trucks that he uh, made friends, or he met his future mentor, who was an underboss for the Gambinos, um, Neil Della Croce. And it's got his actual Italian name, but I'm not going to attempt it because there's a lot of vowels <laughs> all in a row. It's uh, like a, sometimes I'll see a German name and be like, mm-hmm, yep, nice. I, th- I think it's Aniello, but I don't want to continue to offend Italians everywhere. So um, anyway, so I'll just call him Neil because that was his nickname. Um, right. Neil would tell stories to them mm-hmm. of like the glory days of crime under the Anastasias, which mm-hmm. led him to kind of idolize. <laughs> Do what? The glory days. Yeah. <laughs> it led him, it led Gotti to really idolize the crime boss at the time, Anastasia. Oh, yeah. Um, so in February of 1968, he got arrested by the FBI for hijacking. Um, mm-hmm. Excuse me. While he was out on bail. He got arrested again for another hijacking. And this time he was stealing a load of cigarettes. Right? This time he was stealing a load of cigarettes worth $50,000. And I ran the math. $50,000 in 1968 is $370,000 worth of cigarettes. And also think the fact that in 1968... Everybody smoked. Right. Even like toddlers. <laughs> <laughs> you were born with a pack of marbles. I mad men. Everybody smoked. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky strikes. <laughs> but so, so you would think now, like, you know, what we, even now, like if somebody robbed a store and there was like, there was $50,000 worth of cigarettes in there, I'd be like, why? Right. Not that many people smoke anymore, but. Back right. then, everybody smoked, so it was a lucrative thing to steal. Oh, I'm yeah. sure it probably still is now, but um, so it's not disproportionately. There's just not as many smokers as there used to be. Right. So later that year, he pled guilty to the Northwest Airlines hijacking. He was sentenced to three years in Lewisburg Federal Penitentiary, and mm-hmm. prosecutors actually dropped the charges for the cigarettes because he confessed to the other one. Okay. Well, you know. You gotta right take it where you can get it at some point, I guess. Yeah. Um, so when he got out of prison, yeah, a package on the way, but I don't know what it is. I don't know. Maybe it's a present for me. Did you buy? Oh, something? it's no, it's something that I ordered for a, a Galentine's exchange. Okay, gotcha. Um, my book club. Sorry. <laughs> 
when uh, when he got out of prison, he was put in charge of illegal gambling for his crew, and his crew was called now the Bergen Hunt and Fish Club. Did they hunt or fish ever? Mm, sure. They hunted for some things. They fished for some things, but I don't think they're the things you're thinking. So not like fish or like deer. No. Like if my dad says, I'm going to go hunting and fishing. He doesn't mean loan sharking by any means. No, no, no. Um, I can't imagine. Now my father can be a scary man, but I can't imagine him as a loan shark. <laughs> <laughs> because when I was growing up, if like my mom was kind of the hard ass. And so my, if I needed something, I would go to my dad. <laughs> I'd be like, daddy, I need $50. He'd be like, all right. <laughs> so anyway, with the Bergen Hunt and Fish Club, um, the leader, which is known as the Capo, and you'll hear me say Capo a lot. Um, Capo is literally Italian for top or cap. So sure, it means the top or the leader. Um, the leader was a man named Carmine Fatico. This is not the same Carmine that we've been talking about. Why would it be? I assume <laughs> in 1960s New York that like about... 25 people of every 30 were named Carmine. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, so uh, Carmine got arrested for loan sharking. And so he named Gotti Capo in his absence, despite that Gotti had not even been a made man yet. So he was just that good, apparently, at his job. Does that ruffle some feathers? Yeah. So okay. Gotti started visiting Della Croce frequently to update him on the ongoings because he was the underboss of the Gambinos. Sure. Um, and he uh, he would give him updates on the crew, and that led to him being assigned to the hit team that was searching for James McBratney. I'm not sure I want to be on the hit team. Do I want to be on the hit team? No. Okay. No. I didn't think so, but I thought I'd double check. Um. Because maybe they're like hitting the bar or hitting the yogurt shop. Or, or recording hitting... a number one hit single. Yeah. But I'm going to guess that instead they were going to kill somebody. That's Yep, they were going to kill someone. Um, so James McBratney. You got to do what you got to do, right? <laughs> James McBratney was responsible for the kidnapping and murder of Emmanuel Gambino, who was the nephew of the boss, Carlo Gambino. So... In other words, he's fucking dumb. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, so they tracked him down in a bar um, in Staten Island, and the incident went just so smoothly. You know, they abducted him. They set him down. They shook their fingers. They said, don't do that ever again. And he said, right. thank you. And th it was all good. He's like, I've learned a valuable lesson. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> or... He almost got away, so they shot him in the middle of the bar and killed him with witnesses. Look, here's the thing. I would have been the best mob wife and the best, like, person to live in that. Because I would have never told anyone anything. Right. I would have been like, I wasn't there. I don't remember. I have no idea what you're talking about. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> Like, I, I in no way want to be involved in this. Get out. If I would have been like, Mama Gotti, get the fuck out of my house and leave me alone. Right. Uh, Don't ask me questions. I'm not answering your stupid questions. Go away. <laughs> so, in fact, the uh, I didn't cite my source. 
This is me just regurgitating the Wikipedia article because as I said earlier, and as you know, this week has been absolute shit and I did the best I could. (laughs) Look, isn't Fran going to archive all of our sources for us? Yes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, Anyway, the Wikip- poor Fran is like so organized that she's like, I need to do it for you because y'all are y'all y'all's disorganization is having an effect on my life. So. <laughs> when we can finally afford an intern, I'm hiring Fran. Oh, for sure. Well, she hired me last night as her agent, like to get her on Ellen. Right. So I think that we could get some kind of exchange going. Right. You scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. Exactly. We all have cannoli. I really want a cannoli now. Right. Um, so God, the, the cannolis in Italy are to die for. I want to go back there so bad. Okay, keep going. The Wikipedia article, in fact, said that they, quote, shot him dead in the bar. <laughs> I just like that phrasing. Um, they shot him injured. <laughs> <laughs> so witnesses were able to. It's like in the South when my grandma would be like, if I ever show up missing. Right. Yep. Uh, the witnesses were able to identify Gotti, so he was arrested for the killing. Um, he wound up taking a plea bargain, though, and he only got a four-year sentence for attempted manslaughter for his involvement because he's not the guy who pulled the trigger. So this is probably the time that she's talking about where he went, where she saw the the, the newspaper headline. headline. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so after he was released in 1977, he was finally initiated into the Gambino family. Do you think they have, like, a really nice formal initiation? I think so. You have to dress in white. Um, You come down a dark aisle while organ music plays. Do you get, like, a flower and a pin? It looks like, in fact, no. It's the Pitch Perfect initiation. It's it's Boone's Farm. (laughs) (laughs) Drink the blood. It's Boone's Farm. (laughs) Or if you have you ever seen uh, the Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood? Yes, I love that movie. It's okay, it's chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) So I love it. (laughs) He's initiated, and they're now under new leadership. And Mm -hmm. uh, now their leader is Paul Castellano. Right, Castellano. I stumbled all over that because I it's two L's, and my Spanish came out, and I just say Castellano. Yeah, it's Castellano. Castellano, I know that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually spelled his name wrong in my notes, and it's been bothering me all day. But I Uh-oh. didn't not enough to fix it, right? Because I can still pronounce his name, <laughs> right? No, so and in fact, I just didn't write it there, so I was having to pull from memory. Um, yeah. So Paul Castellano was in charge now, and so mm-hmm. he Paul Castellano's who actually officially made gaudy the capo of the crew he'd been in charge of because okay. he was kind of the um interim capo until someone was named well i just want to say that uh, this all works out really well for paul castellano <laughs> in the end right um well things go really well for him i don't mean to say it this way but it's castellano's fault that things go well for him oh oh 100 percent. yeah um so i'm just saying like you know here's the thing if you want to you want to bring up people, if you're the leader, you want to bring up people around you that are smart, but also dumber than you. Right. <laughs> um, so if you bring up somebody that's smarter than you, then you're going to have a problem. At this point, um, the Bergen Hunt and Fish Club became, became like the biggest earners for Della Croce. Um, and Look, so- hunting and fishing clubs, they, they make bank. Right. 
They do. So, I just know things. Aside from the gambling earnings that they won, um, Gotti also ran a loan sharking operation. And then he would do this, like, he would pretend to be a plumbing supply salesman and he'd show up and he'd take people's money and promise to deliver goods and then wouldn't deliver goods. So a few years ago, well, and a few years ago, and then last year, or year before, before after Hurricane Harvey, uh-huh. this was a big thing here. Yeah. Like roofers would come and be like, "Yes, here's your here. You know, I'm going to take your your deposit. I'll be back to fix your roof." And then they would just take off with yeah. these people's money. Yeah, it's, it was so. It's still a thing that happens. Yeah. Um, and then he also, it's alleged that he finance drug deals but there's no hard evidence to back that up but that's an fbi allegation so i feel like they probably have enough evidence to say this probably but like the john Gotti that i know and love from this movie would never support anyone so he he tried he just wouldn't (laughs) he tried to keep his family out of the mob life but mm-hmm. his son, John Angelo, who, as I said, went by Junior, um, right. was involved as early as 1982. Mm-hmm. And so now here's the the part. The part. On March 18th, 1980, Gotti's youngest son. Oh, that's son, the day after my birthday. Yeah, Why? I, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, his youngest son, Frank, was running. 1980? Yeah. Okay, so it's a few years before I was born, but still. Yeah. Um, he was run over and killed by a mini bike that was owned by their neighbor who was a family friend. Um, Not for long. No. So even though the death was ruled accidental, the neighbor began to receive death threats. And what I read. Does it say whether he was drunk? It doesn't. Okay. Because in the movie she says he was. And I, I don't know. I'm kind of inclined to believe her because I have a hard time seeing that how you would run over somebody in the middle of the day. Right. Um, so the article, I don't know. I've never run over anybody, so I don't know. The whole one article that I read on Wikipedia Mm -hmm. said that he himself were, was attacked by mama Victoria with a baseball bat. Good on you, mama. And it said that he'd come over to apologize and she pulled out the bat and was like, get the fuck out of my house. I can't even say even in that case that I would blame her. I can't. I have a child. I've never yeah. lost a living child. I can't imagine how much oh, yeah. pain, like physical pain I would be in. And I can't say that I wouldn't answer my door with a baseball bat. Oh, I just yeah. can't. So I get it. So I, She gets a full pass on this from me. So the Gaudis went to uh, Florida on vacation. Mm-hmm. And while they were gone, the neighbor was abducted and he was never seen again. Oh, shucks. Anyway, so um, God, they come back from vacation and Gotti really very quickly grows dissatisfied with the leadership of the Gambino family. Mm-hmm. He thought that Paul Castellano was greedy and that he isolated himself from the from his people. Uh, I mean, he was, right? Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then he lacked street credibility. And so the people who'd been working the streets had no respect for him because he hadn't really started at the bottom. Now we hear the way that most people had like, Mm -hmm. because either you inherited it because you were a Gambino or you had proven that you were a true leader. And instead he just schmoozed and networked. Well, I, 
he sh- yeah he did like because he's the one that that came in because he schmoozed not because he had even actually killed another person like right. to get the job yeah um so he Gotti took personal issue with the fact that he had banned drug dealing because Gotti saw that this was a very lucrative trade yeah so in nineteen 19- I would like to disagree with him but right that's not untrue. And I guess, I mean, what's the difference? You know, I read um, American. It's not American Gangster. It's the one about the guy that ran the Silk Road. I don't know that one. The website that sold drugs. And so they talk about in there where he changes from selling drugs to selling like guns and selling like hitmen and stuff. And he's like, well, if we're going to sell these illegal things, like what's what's the difference right i mean it's all illegal stuff (laughs) yeah yeah people die from using drugs so there's no reason why we shouldn't sell these guns even though people die from using guns right i mean it's not something i technically agree with but i see the i see the argument yeah yeah so um In 1984, Castellano was arrested for the crimes committed by one of the Gambino crews. Mm -hmm. Um, He was also indicted for his role in the Mafia's commission. It was like the meeting of all the families. Okay. Um, And so he, uh, he faced a life sentence for both of these charges, like, each one had a life sentence pending. So Do he you mean a lifetime, lifetime sentence. sentence. <laughs> uh, so he arranged for Gotti to serve as acting boss of the Gambino family, but uh-huh. alongside with Thomas Bellotti and Thomas Gambino. Okay. And so Gotti began. There's so many people in the story. I'm uh-huh. like, sure. That's why I'm not casting <clears throat> anybody. You'll notice. Um, next week we're going to cast people. Well, I cast people. No, I didn't cast people last time because there were so many real people. Mm-hmm. I'll be back next week to mm-hmm. casting people. Yes. Um, anyway, so Gotti began working on a plan to overthrow is what it said. And I put in parentheses kill maybe Castellano. <laughs> I mean, if you look at history, that's all overthrowing a government is, right. is killing the, the current leader. Um, so let's he, not like sugarcoat that. I mean, that's right. what that means. So, <laughs> There's a rule with the commission that... Is there a rule or a rule? (laughs) There's a rule with the commission that you cannot have the leader of one of the families killed without a majority vote from the other families. From the other families, yes. Mm -hmm. Um, But he got it. Well, so he knew that he wouldn't get the Genovese uh, family because Castellano had really close ties to them, which Mm -hmm. is why he promoted up so quickly through Gambinos. He had a close tie to the leader of the Genovese. Okay. But he did get the support of the Lucchese, the Colombo, and the Bonanno families. I mean, that's a majority. Right. Um, it didn't say... I, it doesn't have to be a unanimous vote. It's right, a majority. Right. He had the vote. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> I'm going to be a devil's advocate. He had the votes. He can do his thing. Yeah. So the current underboss, the guy that Gotti really idolized, De La Croce, he died in 1985 of cancer. Aww. And it caused Castellano to restructure everything. So he appointed Thomas Bellotti, the new underboss, to replace De La Croce. And then he appointed Thomas Gambino as the sole acting boss, which took Gotti's power completely away. I think he probably knew what was up. Oh, yeah. So Gotti was infuriated by this, obviously, but he also was very angry 
that Castellano wouldn't go to Della Croce's funeral. And he saw that as a personal attack as well. So you see here kind of where Victoria comes from, where he was a man of honor. Like it may have been oh, yeah. a different kind of honor, but it, he was a man that in his life, he had an honor system and he really, really believed in that. And he was crazy loyal to it. Yeah. So, um, oh, we're on the last part of my notes. I, Good. I think it just humanizes him a little bit. Like, I'm not saying his honor system wasn't flawed, but he had one. Right. And some of these people don't. <laughs> right. Um, so, Gotti received a tip one day that Castellano mm-hmm. would be meeting with several other mobsters yeah. at the Spark Steakhouse on December 16th of 1985. Okay. When um, the underboss, Bellotti, and Castellano arrived... They were ambushed and shot by assassins under Gotti's mm-hmm. command. Now they show a little of this in the movie, not as graphic, but I have watched some documentaries that show graphic yeah. photos of this crime scene. Yeah. Very graphic photos of this, this particular, well, all of the crime scenes in there, but this particular crime scene, I've seen that guy's dead body. It like, reminds more me than of Scarface. <laughs> like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I just imagine like, this is 1985. I'm two years old. Like, you know, I'm just kidding. I'm only 21. So I'm not born yet. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm two and I'm like hanging out in Texas. And you think of stuff like this as things that happen. That are isolated. In the past. No, like in the past. You don't think of this as things that happened while you were alive. Yeah, no, definitely. Like they show some of these in some of these documentaries of these people that they're just mowing down these gangsters in the street. And I'm like, this is the nineties. Like get some decorum. What's happening? (laughs) This is the nineties. Get some decorum. It's my new favorite exclamation. (laughs) Anyway. So after the murder, Gotti was named the like temporary leader. Mm-hmm. Of the Gambino family, and he appointed uh, himself. <laughs> De, he appointed De Chico, who was the guy that tipped him off about mm-hmm. where Castellano would be, to be his okay. underboss. But they, um, there was a meeting of the twenty-five capos. I think it was twenty-five, twenty or twenty-five. Anyway, and so they voted him to be boss. Okay. So it's not like he just appointed himself, but he kind of appointed himself. I mean, again, they his role they in the assassination on, was they work on their own. Very flawed, but real to them, honor system. Right. To them, like, it's all votes and it's all, like, it's all very real to them. You know, you can look at them and be like, this is all insane, but. Right. To them, it's the way that they live their lives, so. So, Gotti. just interesting to me. <laughs> Gotti rose to kind of fame throughout 1986. Like, I guess. Kind of fame. <laughs> I guess infamy, but. Uh-huh, okay. He, he was almost a household name, even. Yeah. At, you know, like. I remember, like, hearing his name, like, as a child in the news. Right. Like, they would talk about, like, I recognize his face anytime I see it immediately. Right. Like, I know who that is. And Mm -hmm. under his leadership, they became the most powerful American mafia family. The Gambinos did. He, Mm -hmm. they saw an annual income of $500 million a year. Oh, my God. 
And he personally took home a salary of between 10 and $12 million, which I find it really funny to say salary because it's not like this is a paycheck. <laughs> I mean, okay, I have to argue with you there. It is a paycheck. It's not like a legally he, obtained paycheck. He it's doesn't not like have Deborah the IRS and payroll. Here. <laughs> right, Deborah and payroll is not cutting his check and telling him he didn't count enough credits on I his mean, taxes. I like, would even argue that there's probably a Deborah and payroll somewhere in that crime family. Um, Poor Deborah. She's just down there doing the Lord's work. <laughs> Can you imagine though, poor Deborah? If she, um, excuse me, sir, we accidentally overpaid you. You know what? We'll just take it out of my check. We're good. Yeah, <laughs> I don't need to eat. I'm good. <laughs> so, poor Deborah and payroll. We love you, girl. We love you. <laughs> um, so oh, no, <laughs> to protect himself legally. Gotti banned members of the Gambino family from taking plea bargains if they would acknowledge, like, if the plea bargain meant they had to acknowledge the existence and their participation in the Gambino family. Listen, I don't condone his behavior, but this is a good move for him. (laughs) It is. It is. I'm sorry, like... He's keeping the organization from imploding by them just ratting on each other right. until everything falls apart. Yeah, no, which and, is what happened in Chicago. And just saying, he worked really <laughs> hard to like keep his public image really nice. So that he dressed really nice, like you mentioned, but he also would like play these games where he always looked good, even though there were reports that he was like a really ruthless leader. Um, oh yeah but anytime he knew that the fbi agents were tailing him he would stop and buy them coffee like (laughs) no he did that and there is like surveillance footage of him like on the street where he'll just look up at the camera and be like hey guys like yeah he that man had more tailor-made suits than i think anyone ever has i think ryan seacrest might have him beat and no i don't even think (laughs) Or C. Crestini has that many. Um, because I also think that those are on loan for him, so he doesn't get to true. keep those. <laughs> um, so, Whereas John Gotti, who makes, what, $12 million a year? Right. Can afford to, to keep his custom-made suits. So he started to get, kind of make a spectacle of himself. And starting yes, in 19- very. He was very ostentatious. Yeah. Starting in 1988, he would meet publicly with his capos at um, at this specific club, and I didn't write it down, but it's there somewhere. There was a club. Well, I think that even this wasn't a bad move on his part. He's like, look, these people are going to be watching us no matter what I do and no matter where we are. So why not just meet in this? It almost looks more legit that they all sit down at a meeting at this specific restaurant every week. Well, the problem is it let the FBI identify exactly who was in charge and they suspected, but it confirmed who the important people were. And I think at the end of the day, and God, don't quote me. We're defending this guy. What's wrong with me? No, 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 no. I think at the end of the day, it's what brought him down because I think they were able to yeah. bug that place. That's what I was about to say. They bugged yeah. that building. Mm-hmm. 
So, um, so it was a good move, but also, uh, I mean, you're still a criminal, so you're going to get caught. It Bye. said they didn't get usable audience, but they did bug it, which means, though, that they just mm-hmm. were having very public eyes on him. Yeah. And um, so it started to bring the downfall is what happened. And um, I think after a while, he was just kind of like, I've gotten away with this for so long. At this point, they're not going to be able to pin anything on me. So I'll just do what I want. Oh, exactly. Um, Hey, so Christmas Eve 1988. How old were you? I was not born yet. No, I was five. Okay. And do you remember Christmas when you were five? Um, No, I actually had a conversation with somebody recently. And I found out that it was weird that I don't have a lot of memories of my childhood. I thought that everybody didn't remember. Oh, no, a I, lot of I can remember my fifth Christmas. I don't. So I was a tiny baby. I was not even a year old because I was born March of oh, Do you remember? I do. I was, in fact, I was pooping a lot. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> it was the best time of my life. People were having to wait on me hand and foot. Oh. Look, somebody, this girl that I follow on Instagram posted the other day, she just had a baby. And she was like, oh, she rolled over by herself. And then we took a nap. And I was, first of all, I was like, well, A, rolling over is very hard work when you're a baby. Right. But B, like, I wish that I could roll over and then <laughs> take a nap. <laughs> so, because everybody's so proud of me. Like, <laughs> So your Christmas Eve 1988, you probably had some kind of family something. Oh, yes. I'm sure. Um, mm-hmm. Well, the Gaudis did too. They celebrated the initiation of John Jr. into the Gambinos. So that's a fun way to celebrate. You know, I can't even fault them for that. I'm sure there was alcohol. I bet. I know there was wine. I know. They're Italian. They're Catholic. I bet you there was a Christmas aspect to this whole thing. Well, if, well, you, what you got to do is you got to go to the initiation, but then you got to make midnight, midnight mass. mass. Huh? Right. <laughs> I knew that I knew that that accent would come out. Yes, you raise me up. <laughs> so, um, in any case, I can just I can just see Butch like we got to go. We're gonna miss mass. <laughs> <laughs> so four years later, I skipped a bunch of time because just so much shit happened. Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, so on December 11th, 1992, the, oh, the Ravenite Club. That's the club they met at every <laughs> week. Um, so in 1990, on December 11th, 1992, the FBI and the NYPD raided the Ravenite Club. Yikes. Okay. Gotti was there with his capos. They arrested three of the highest ranking members of the Gambinos, uh-huh. including Gotti, who said, as they put him in the backseat of the police car, I bet you three to one I beat this. Okay, so they're arresting them. I'm assuming at this point they have something to actually hold him on. Yes. Okay, okay. This is because you can go, because here's the thing like, back then, if you watch enough mob documentaries, I have a pro, I have a documentary problem. I'll just say that. But if you watch enough, they'll just like go in and arrest all these people for no fucking reason. Uh huh. Well, then, okay, yeah, then they know that you've been in there. And so they just. Move their operation to a new place. Yeah, no. Um, they Jesus. they uh, had something. Okay. Because he, uh, it was a racketeering case. Right. He was charged with five counts of murder, mm-hmm. including the boss that he'd taken down. Paul Castellano. Castellano. Mm-hmm. Um, conspiracy to commit murder. 
Yikes. <laughs> loan sharking, illegal gambling, obstruction of justice, bribery, and tax evasion. So it's like the supreme pizza of charges. Like, let me have a little bit of everything. That's a, that's quite a few charges, yeah. But I guess I get it. I mean, they know who he is. They know he's going to hand in everything. They just have to find it. Right. So um, these charges stuck. The trial started on February 12th. It's one of those... Sorry, it's one of those things where he was eventually either going to die without ever being charged with anything or they were going to bring him down for a bunch of shit. Right. Um, I must have written the dates down wrong. I think this was okay. 93 because uh-huh. I said the trial started on February 12th, 1992. But mm-hmm. also I said he got arrested on December 1992 and that just doesn't line up. So I'm going to say probably <laughs> the, the trial started in 1993. Um. It continued through April. So good long okay. trial. Um, I've heard longer. And considering all the yeah. shit that he was involved in, I would expect it to. Can you imagine you go in for jury duty one day and they and select John Gotti? Right? <laughs> I would be like, they would 50% excited and 50% terrified, terrified that I was not going to live through the trial. They would not pick you or me because we would look so excited. <laughs> They'd be like, this is the gaudy. And we'd be like, ah, ah, what? No, I would get up and be like, hi, Mr. Gaudy. I know who you are. Nice suits, by the way. Is Vicky and... here? I want to see Vicky. Hey, Yeah. Vicky. And so, so then they'd be like... You're dismissed. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the it lasted through April, and they only deliberated 14 hours, which I know sounds like a long time, but considering that's not this a long case, time. that's not. I mean, it's no. not like the Gypsy, wasn't it Gypsy Rose Blanchard? They deliberated two hours. But that's a different thing. Like, right. Like, in cases, to me, like, the more high profile and the more high the stakes are, right. the longer people deliver. I have seen datelines and other things where they deliberate for, for weeks. Yeah. No, for weeks. And they'll eventually sit out and be like, okay, we're hung. And they'd be like, nope, keep going. And so, yeah. you know, so two or three times where they just send them back. So it just dries on and on and on. And I can't imagine being like the holdout in that situation because after a while it'd be like, I just want to go home. Oh, absolutely. I don't care. Um, so um, they deliberated 14 hours and when they came back, he was found guilty on all charges. The yes. whole Supreme pizza. Even though was what, 14? There was, let's see, five counts of murder, conspiracy to commit murder, loan sharking, illegal gambling, obstruction of justice, bribery, tax evasion, 11. 11, okay. That's still a lot. Yeah. Um, So on June 23rd, 19, I wrote 92, so I don't know which date I have wrong. I apologize to people who are following along. One of these dates is wrong. It's got to be December 11th, 1991. It's got to be the wrong date, because I wrote 92 in this (laughs) whole paragraph. Um, I mean... There are some years and things happened. Remember in our promo, we said, if you're here for facts, then go somewhere else. Yeah. Google it. (laughs) Anyway, he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole and charged a $250,000 fine. Okay. So. I think it's for the cigarettes. 
here's my question. <laughs> okay. If you're John Gotti and you are sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Do you pay and, the $250,000? And given a two hundred and Well, and actually Shelby kind of told me about this after we did Bambi Bad Benick. Uh-huh. Because she was given a fine, and I said, you know, what's the deal what's the there? Point? And right. she said that they can technically hold, like, your commissary and other things right. if you have not paid your fine. But I don't know for this specific situation how that would work. Well, and when you are the Gambino boss... Also, yeah, from what I understand, he lived a pretty cush life in prison, like, right. people sending him stuff, so... Right. Yeah, I just... I don't know. Um, so... So I can't remember. I wrote. I wrote. It's it like the guy in o- in the Ocean's movie, right? Where he's like in prison, but he's like playing cards in his own like big cell with people, like right. with his own like his own crew that is in prison. <laughs> um, yeah, he was arrested. Like all this was also in conjunction with somebody else that also <laughs> owed the fine. And I believe I cannot imagine that he had nearly as cushy a life as. John I'm going to assume that that guy paid the fine. Yes. Um, I mean, so, I don't know a lot about a lot, but I still know that John Gotti was the boss here. So. Right. In 1998, Gotti was diagnosed while he was in prison with throat cancer. And he actually went to the medical center, like the prison medical center, and had the tumor removed. Um, but it had grown back within two years. Oh, that's terrible. And so he, and he, when he's talking to Victoria, like when he's in jail... She's like, yeah, but what are the doctors saying? You know, what are they doing for you? And he's like, I'm in prison. Like, right. <laughs> this is not like the MD Anderson, like cancer center. I'm in prison. Right. So, um, so, I mean, he was definitely getting treatment, but it was not like state of the art, like medically advanced. Right. Cancer treatment. It was basically if we take it out and it comes back then we'll just make you comfortable till you die. Like that kind of thing. Right. So he's really sad. He eventually died from complications resulting from the cancer on June 10th, 2002 at the age of 61. Wow. And, um, that is John Gotti. And I have to say that I'm glad that Victoria had a very different life. I mean, she's really, she's done well for herself. And I have to, I have to admit, I, of all the, the mafia and mob documentaries and movies and all of that, that I've watched, I probably have the softest spot for John Gotti. Oh yeah. I think that he was, I don't know if he was just more palatable as a regular human being than some of these other people. Or if he just marketed himself better. But he's like a guy that I feel more sorry for than I do other people. I wonder if part of it has to do <laughs> Which with Which is really his... terrible of me. I'm sorry. Yeah. No. <laughs> I wonder if part of it has to do with his fame or infamy or whatever you want to call it. How he was such a public name. And maybe that. that I mean, that's probably it. Because you think after a while, like, he's... You stop thinking of him as a criminal and you start to think of him as a celebrity. Right. Which we all know that we give celebrities just major, major passes for things. Leave Britney alone. Yeah. Poor Britney. <laughs> Girl. Uh, but yeah, like I think of all the crime bosses and 
Like, I knew people in college that were obsessed with the mafia. All right. So did you see or think of any true crime that should be turned into a Lifetime movie this week? Um, I'm going to ask you to answer first because my answer is going to go right into next week. Okay. Um, I, no, I mean, I tried to think of something and I did think of something this week and I should have written it down. So give me just a second to see if I can remember it. Okay. Um, so in the world of true crime, there are some infamous stories. Uh huh. And now, about once a week, I will scroll through Lifetime and the Lifetime Movie Network and see what's coming up in the next week. And I sent you a screenshot on Friday. Yes. Because I found a movie that I always thought should be turned into a Lifetime movie, and it turned out that it already was. I'm so pumped. And that's our case next week. I am so excited for this one. It's going to look, this episode was sad. We're going to bring it back around. Yes, we are. (laughs) Because next week we will be covering and talking about tall, hot, blonde, tall, hot, blonde, tall, hot, blonde. (laughs) Beef cack. <laughs> um, I am so excited. I look. Here's the thing: a guy got murdered here. It's really sad, but this case is bananas. And if you've ever watched the original Catfish documentary, you can add like ten thousand to that, and that's what we're dealing with here. It's bonkers i cannot wait to talk about this one i'm gonna be firing on all cylinders it's gonna be great i'm so excited oh i remember my yes i'm so pumped i remember the true crime (laughs) that i wanted to see and it just hit me because my adhd was like all that all that and you're just like oh sorry by the way adhd um Do you remember the case of the guy who had the, like, they were really, really rich, but then he lost all his money and he wound up killing his family and running away. Um, Oh, yes. And he had the, like, Tiffany glass ceiling or something ridiculous that would have covered all the debts that he owed. Oh, you mean the family annihilator who thought it was more Christian Uh to murder his family and run away than to commit suicide? That asshole? Yeah. I I want that that one in a Lifetime movie. That would be excellent. But did they catch him at the end? I can't remember. Yeah. So they, his neighbor found him on. They they caught him. His neighbor found him on America's Most Wanted. Like they did an age um, projection or whatever it's called. Yeah. Yeah. I just, because that case more than anything, makes me angry. Oh, yeah. Because what a dick. Uh Oh, my God. But the fact that they caught him, like, I'm okay with that. But let's go back to Tall Hot Blonde for a second because I don't feel like you're that excited. No, you have no idea. (laughs) You have no idea. I told this story to somebody recently. Like, I don't even remember who it was, but I was like, have I ever told you about Tall Hot Blonde? And they were like, 
what and i was like sit down if i'm gonna if i'm gonna recommend true crime documentaries to people the first one is always the jinx because the jinx is just batshit crazy right i love the jinx if you haven't watched it watch it we're gonna eventually cover the lost wife of robert durst i'm very excited but i'm waiting yeah um and the second one that i talk about is tall hot blonde Uh uh-huh because this story sounds like it was made up for a lifetime movie and it wasn't it's holy fuck i'm so pumped about this one i can i was just scrolling through lifetime and i i saw it and i screamed because i did not remember that there was a lifetime movie about this yes i'm so excited I really hope they go full out with the uh, the cyber sex because I hope (laughs) I hope that it's got like when the letters appear on the screen, like we're watching the email happen, like you've got mail. Yes, (laughs) like in the in the documentary. Yeah. So bad. I can't wait. It's going to be really, really fun. All right. Tell all the lovely people where they can find us on the interwebs. Okay. so. You can find us um, on the Twitter, and I am going to kind of start Twittering, tweeting more when they do, even if we're not going to cover the movie at that time. Like, next week, they're doing um, Hopelessly Devoted to You, which is the Olivia Newton-John movie. I'm going to live tweet that just for funsies, just because I can. And I use that account to tweet funny things as I think of them. Yeah. Um, And then, so, and then our Instagram is... At Lifetime Sentence Podcast? At Lifetime Sentence. Oh, shit. <laughs> and our okay. email is... Life- Hold on. Okay. Our, our Instagram is at Lifetime Sentence. Okay. Our email is at Lifetime Sentence. No, it's not at anything. <laughs> well, it is just at the end. God, could you just do this? I can't. <laughs> <laughs> our Instagram is at Lifetime Sentence. Uh-huh. Our email is lifetime sentence podcast at gmail.com. That's where the ad goes. <laughs> and our website is lifetime sentence pod.com. Yes. And this week we're going to put up Victoria Gotti in her wedding dress. And the order by check or deal by checks I mentioned. Yes. And, and we should put up a side by side of the woman who played Mama Gotti and real Mama Gotti, just because I think that'll be interesting. Like, I feel so dumb, but that girl is so pretty. I just can't. (laughs) I can't wait to watch this. Oh, it's what my true crime podcast dreams are made of. Yes. It has been a pleasure potting with you today. It's been a pleasure. I can't wait till next week. It's going to be amazing. And don't forget to eat your vegetables. Lydia ate a sweet potato tonight. I saw it on Snapchat. What? Yeah. I haven't checked yet. Lydia, I'm proud of you. Right? All right. Have a good night. You too. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. This has been Lifetime Sentence, where the truth really is stranger than fiction. Thanks for listening.